the Dode Fox Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dode Fox Podcast. I'm Paul, he's Ronnie, and it's back-to-back victories for the first time since October. A league win in midweek on a carpet of a playing surface, and a cup victory on a tatty field. But we're in the hut, and that's the main thing. Join the conversation on our socials. We are at Dode Fox Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Coming up on this week's episode, Motherwell and Partick Review, the Rangers Preview, Loan Report, Women's Team, Academy, Lottery, Games or Goals, On This Day with the Arab Archive, and Mark Wilson as a special guest. It's all coming up on episode 134 of the Dode Fox Podcast. Hi, I'm Paul Dixon. Welcome to the Dode Fox Podcast. So welcome back to the award-winning Dude Fox podcast with the black-eyed boy who's in demand wearing a halo, Paul McNichol, and the boy that announced Kevin Thompson was playing for Dundee United, Ronnie Costello. We can move on. What a funny. Right, first bit of business. Happy birthday, Graham Payne. 66 today, podcast pal. Let's need to get that in there. Nice. So, he, is a, he is a podcast pal. So we didn't turn it into me being the arsehole, but I'm assuming you've got a, a bone to pick with me for uh, during the week. Good. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. You couldn't uh, believe it. <laughs> I couldn't no, believe it. The thing is, I kind of guessed uh, how <laughs> you made that wee mistake. Mm-hmm. I thought you were looking at the team lines or something. You probably saw Miller Thompson rather it, than you were sitting, sitting with uh, love hearts for emojis eyes, thinking of Kevin Thompson. I didn't ever think that was uh, that was what was going on, but it was. Uh, uh, I've had a fair bit of stick about it. How uh, a fair bit of stick about it? Exactly. Because well, obviously we're like Aunt and Dick. If any of them mugs an air so then another thing gets a bit of grief in us. So I got a wee bit of grief about my podcast buddy Mark and air so but uh, it was nothing to do with me. I laughed as hard as the next man. Uh, <laughs> honestly. Shocker. Honestly. You had a shocker run. And uh, uh, <laughs> have, have the club find you for it? Oh, lost not, a week's wages or something let's not just get into the text for the, for the boss man later on that night saying fine for the night and I went I was pretty fine the night <laughs> can't he meant the other way but uh, you kind of tap peanuts off a boy eh I mean yeah you can you kind of I mean I just uh, I, you're right in saying so I, I did ex- some people obviously are a bit of a laugh with it and called it a prick and whatever on, on, on Twitter but I, I did try to explain it that basically what did happen was I could tell it was Kevin McDonald. I saw it was Kevin McDonald. And then I just looked down the list. And I don't know if I did it just to second guess myself or just to make sure. Obviously, in this this time I went Pete Tong. I mean, I write Noel Hunt. But anyway, uh, and then I did, I, I said, uh, I was doing the list and obviously he's number six. And then Miller Thompson must wear 46 or 50 or something like that. And for some reason, that's how I said that. And I, the thing is as well, and I've not I've no heard it back, thankfully, but I'm imagining you can't hear it on the on the full match playback. But I didn't think even complete Thompson. I get to like Tom's McDonald and I was just like, oh shit. So was um, there any part of you that thought, I wonder if anybody noticed? Nah, I mean the four and a half thousand people were like were like, what a dickhead he is. What a complete dickhead he is. And I just uh, oh it was oh, it was a pure nightmare. And that's how I don't, I, you may, maybe didn't hear no because you're not listening but um, at the end at full time I actually said sorry I actually apologised to him and uh, yeah thankfully it's not been you know the ladies took the piss out much than anybody else but no I, I didn't for one minute think I got a while with it but I just <laughs> I just wanted the ground to open up and swallow us man because like anybody like any player 
I had to be like an ex-Dundee, ex-Rangers. Can it couldn't have just be fast Eddie for the tune. You know what I mean? It couldn't have just be somebody, some random bloke, or I call him Ronald McDonald. Can it? No, I need to call him Kevin Thompson McDonald. So uh, that was, <laughs> oh mate, that was uh, was pure shite. Like, um, so uh, I, I, it's good to hear you got stuck for that. I'm quite glad for that. So uh, outrageous, outrageous. I, I was, uh, mate. I was, but um, but in fairness to you, though, Ron, how long have you been working there? <laughs> um, I'm in my testimony. I'm nearly at my testimonial. I might be. I've just and, passed nine years, and I, and I would say that's like your first error that that's been quite public. Like maybe you can a couple of things where you've maybe pushed the wrong button when you you shouldn't have, but that was really noticeable on Tuesday. Night. Uh, that, really that's... funny as well. Like so, that's probably <laughs> get cut a wee bit. Uh, um, but for one one error in nine years isn't too bad. It's it's uh, to be fair, it probably it's probably the worst. I've got a goal scorer wrong before, but that it tends to be the opposition or. If it's a bit of a stramash and whatever, like, do you mind when Reynolds scored last season and Nicky mm-hmm. Clark claimed it and still claims it because it went off, off his booby or something? Uh, I can't tell that for what I am. And he pure was raging. He was uh, pointing up on a hand. So anyway, that's, I've had a couple of them. Uh, I've had a couple of times that I've maybe not been able to, like, and it sounds really unperfect and I hate it, but see St. Murn, you kind of see, I kind of see the numbers on the back of their shirt, eh? So sometimes I'd kind of announce the subbies because I'm like, I have no mm. idea what number that is. So, but as a pure, absolute, uh, to put it as a, I heard the boy on Talk Sport years and years ago say, a fox pass, uh, the absolute <laughs> full part of that or Tuesday is without doubt probably the worst end, just like because you're <laughs> and you're outside as well, so you can hear it. It's like when I used to hide them in my box, it was fine because. Didn't end. He heard this, but uh, uh, it was it was brutal, mate. And some people maybe didn't. Uh, nah, there's no danger. Nobody missed that. No chance. I'm not hearing that. Just uh, brutal, absolutely brutal. But it's good to see you got a bit of a hard time for that. Um, I never got a hard time for you getting dragged to see Texas right enough at the start of the week. So that was quite good. So I got off with that. Well, that was fine. Well, hey ho. <laughs> the busy start to my week. Got <laughs> all one night. And then turn the the next night. Listening to my mate Mark, an absolute arsehole. So, what was the better night? Absolutely Tuesday. <laughs> Not my even m- close. My music was better, no? So you're saying, okay, that's. Uh, I mean, it was on a par. It was on a par. <laughs> oh mate. Ah, oh, so I yeah. Listen, it's been a, it's been a yeah. It's been a good week in terms of that. But um, obviously, the biggie. I mean, not only are people. Uh, getting Mark Wilson as a wee treat this week they're also getting Mark Wilson on Valentine's Day any plans? for me uh, no Valentine's plans uh, if I'm being totally honest but I am heading to London uh, with with the the better half and the kids so I'm looking forward to that Uh, wee bit of sightseeing Maybe taking something for the the West End and then back up the road. I wonder where going now. Maybe taking something for Soho. Oops. No, one of them, you know. <laughs> All right. So basically, Abdi's bunking off to go to London. That's where you're telling us. Cool. Correct. Uh, you, you'll be stunned to hear that I'm off yet another Monday, February. I am absolutely <laughs> shocked. Allergic to Monday working. You so are off. Uh, for your work that's it's incredible stuff that that's happening um before we get into the football this week so 
and we'll, we'll make a mention of this, right? But we're not going to go into it because we are no financial experts. Of course, the accounts were published this week, and uh, a couple of people said, "Oh, you'll be speaking about that next week." And I was like, "I can be after main finances, man. I can't speak about any of these finances." And um, it's just any of these. It, the numbers are clearly no good when you look at. It. Right, yeah. because it's like I'm sure uh, Mark Ogren would agree with that. I'm pretty sure he would uh, mention that. Uh, he would say that as well. Um, but I think we're right in saying, you know, that you know the government loans still to come in, or the insurance payout and the transfer fees for Shanklin Smith and all that kind of stuff. So you would kind of hope um, it would, it would next year will look better. But you know, the 1.5 million or something of the insurance. I mean, that come after the final year, so you know that should hopefully bring it down. Uh, it's obviously no easy <laughs> reading on what it is, but the mm. chairman's come out and said he predicts, you know, future profits. Um, Derek Bond had a quite a good interview with the Courier this week about saying, you know, because of X, Y, and Z, money is here, it's no counted, so it should um, look good next year. I can also tell you the wages turnover ratio has risen, and it's definitely no cause of mine. I'll add that. Well, um, well. but I'll be the last. That'll be the last kind of figures that Shanklin's. 85 grand a week are on the wage bill so you know I know but that, I think like again similar to yourself I'm a I don't care much about Dosh other than what I've got in the end wallet which isn't much but the wages to turnover ratio uh, on paper when you look at that that's a bit worrying like mm. it's concerning I suppose but it's it's no my concern it's it's got to be the person that signs the signs the checks that should be concerned about that there's not really much I can do about that but I think uh, I think that definitely needs to come down. But again, I've said this line a few times. Mark Ogren doesn't need a donut like me telling him that. He can. He hasn't made the money he's made by being daft with money. No, so, no chance. Hopefully it's in hand. Hopefully it can be addressed in the fullness of time. And uh, that number starts coming down a wee bit. Yeah. And it's incredible because that's, that's a hell year with crowds as well. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. certainly not alone and taking the, the government loan, which works out, I don't think I worked out the other day, is it two and a half grand a week or something that works out? At? But there's like an 18 month holiday period and it's payable in the interest for about 20 years or whatever. And two and a half mm. grand a week, I'm assuming, is a decent football player's wage, but uh, or a good football player's wage for this level. But it's just any of these things that, you know, if yeah. you're going to get that, then you're you're really struggling. Really struggling. Yeah, that, that loan. Uh, it came at the right time I think a lot of teams not just United were really struggling mm. uh, so uh, it was a no-brainer to take it I would imagine yeah and I'm sure doing the line you know with the impact of COVID-19 and the club will be in a much stronger financial position it's great watching the experts for the other teams cast their eye over it <laughs> um, as always as expected but again with those like you say the Shanklin the Kersmiths the Upperies, the Fuchs all these kind of things I'll, I'll, I'll come into it for, for next year so yeah um, fingers crossed I'm sure it'll be much better and people that can a lot more will be able to speak about it a lot better than we do because that's about the best we can muster up anyway Tuesday night or was it Wednesday was it Tuesday Tuesday Wednesday it was Wednesday Wednesday night under the lights Baltic Motherwell coming to Tanadice obviously you kind of fear teams like that you've just got to start well and after 12 seconds to hit the bar good times <laughs> well, that was a save though it was a good uh, that, no at the time that, that I didn't care it but it was a I good saw, save I was right I was right behind it uh, you seen it you seen he got a hand on it but I mean that's the sort of, that could happen at any time in the game you know the boys just had a raker 
and now and again these things will fly in the top corner but Big Benji got a strong hand to it and then it wasn't long after that they had a, they had a free kick oh, right after the same area. Yeah, they had a free kick right in the same area so ah, the first minute was dreadful <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, the performance improved from there yeah I thought it was um, I mean listen, we always say we'll focus me on the Saturday game but a win's a, a good win's well worth speaking about a lot more Um I thought the first five minutes we were just trying to find our feet a wee bit, playing three five two, three four one two, just one ten, maybe a double six. Mm. Who knows? <laughs> but Kevin uh, McDonald started go. in midfield, and for a man that's not played in quite a while, who's went through, you know, more than just a wee a wee run of the mill operation and procedure and all that kind of stuff for an hour he absolutely cruised it and for the other yeah. 10 minutes I think he just managed the game for the bit like I think his first 5 minutes he found his way and his last 5 minutes was maybe a case of he'll know how, how well he is compared to how he played but I thought for certainly an hour on Wednesday he was brilliant really well played really yeah. well you know some neat passes and play, get more, he played some stuff that he was clearly ahead of what MD else was thinking, though he was going. Yeah. But his pass for the second goal out to him, he just summed up kind of how well he's, he, he's, uh, his night was. But it was great to see him on the team sheet. Mm. Oh, of course it was, yeah, for, for probably for a number of reasons. But uh, yeah, he, he was class. You could tell that he's he's got he's got a decent level of ability. You know, everything seems like uh, slow motion to him. I think it's he's very composed on the ball. He's he some says like he's a big big lad. Compare Abdi Elson to his team. Uh, so, so, yeah, like, and to put in that performance after what he's been through and had to endure, and he can't be anything like much fit. Like, he might feel fit and he might be a lot fitter than me and you, Rondo, but he can't be much fit. No Speak for, for the, the top. Uh, okay. Uh, but he can't be. So it's it's quite promising that he's he's only going to get a better. Uh, so he's, he's essentially on trial, though, isn't he? Like, we've given him a contract to the, to the summer. See what he can do. See if he, see if he enjoys it himself. Uh, but if it keeps going the way that the first, the first two games have went, then I can see that getting extended. May bother. Yeah, um, we said last week that some players had, had maybe been up and down and off the boil a little bit. And I, I'm not saying what I, I had a go at Ian Hearts, but I said you know I could, I would like him to play a wee bit more positive and a bit more on the front foot with some more forward yeah. passes. <laughs> And he near shot my pass up with a pass through to Mark McNulty that was a very good pass. And if it was on McNulty's mm-hmm. other side, but we hit the post there, and you just thought, come on, we we seem halfway up for starting a game. No gain one. Well, I mean, we nearly gave a one, <laughs> a one to lead away with when they tinged the bar and had the free kick. But you know, and we just seem to, we just seem to grow into the game as the first half went on. Absolutely grew into the game as the first half went. And the first game was the first goal was always going to be important. Mel, what did you get? You must have got a good view of that. Screamer. Uh, I, made, I made a funny noise. I made a funny noise when it went in. It was oh, like t- you at Dens a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I had to check myself. Like I was, I kind of squealed. And I was looking around thinking, what's squealing? It's me. I'm squealing. About four steps down to where I should have been. Uh, but yeah, but the, the, the criticism that we gave Harks the other week, like, I didn't think it was unmerited. Like, we, we didn't. I didn't think myself or you, like, overly criticise people that didn't deserve it like that the game where we said what we said was St Johnston and missed not just Harks in, in fairness to him but missed passes went backwards that day it was really really stinking to watch 
Whereas on Wednesday night, I don't know if it was because of the introduction of Kevin McDonald sitting rather than uh, the, the guy for Arsenal that we had against St. Johnson, but it just made a difference to Harks. You, you just saw that he was a wee bit further up the park. He, he was looking forward rather so than looking was backwards. Because McDonald's so was Levitt, exactly, and that, and that helps him as well. Uh, so yeah, it was it was it was all round. It was better on Wednesday. Uh, Hark's performance was was really good. Levitt's goal, as you've just mentioned, my word, like what the, the boy will know how to sweeter strike if he plays for another twenty years. It was just as soon as he hit it, like the keepers. What did he even bother Devon for? <laughs> what did he even bother moving for? Because that was an absolute raker. It was an. It was just such a such a great goal, and I was just glad to be there because, like, when Shankland had his worldy mm-hmm. last season, like nobody was there. It deserved the crowd. I was there. I go again. You were there. You ruined it for at least six people. <laughs> uh, but a goal like that deserves a crowd, especially in that end where the fans were. And uh, oh, it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Goal of the season. No offense to Deco against Hibs. That's a good song as well. <laughs> That's just showing your age. <laughs> I like singing along. <laughs> it was, um, oh, it was, it was magnificent. Near took the net off, uh, so to speak. Um, I tell you, who I did feel sorry for. Uh, we're well, me Andrew no being there, and uh, yeah. he would have got an awfully good view of that in the net. He would have, and he, he dealt would, he me that in no certain terms. <laughs> he would have ducked. He'd have shot himself, thinking that's ripping through this. Of net. course, he would have. Um, yeah. But yeah, when in. Went in one uh, 0 half time thoroughly deserved. I, th- I thought so. Yeah, I felt at half time when we went in. If I'm thinking back, I think we probably did merit. I didn't think we were we were great, and I think there was times when we rode were luckily we defended well at times. We got a wee bit lucky through bad finishing from Motherwell at times. Uh, but yeah, like we we took our chance. Uh, they didn't attack their chances, and uh, nah, you, you you get what you deserve uh, ultimately. And it was it was a lot more of an improvement on the performance that we had just witnessed the last couple of games, the Dundee and the St Johnson mm-hmm. game. So I was I was fairly happy at halftime. I felt like Niskanen, as much as he was trying, there wasn't much coming off for him first half, uh, and that was to change in the second half. But uh, uh, but that's that's the frustration of having a winger in your team, isn't it? Sometimes mm-hmm. they're great, sometimes nothing works for them. Yeah. But as long as they can give a hundred percent effort, then you could. You could maybe look generously on the times when nothing much is coming after them. And so, uh, Kevin McDonald swung his right better, stuck the boat to, to Niskanen, and it was a case of just knock this past the boy and go. Just go. Yeah, get that, the. That's what, you, that's what you want him to do. You want him to do that. But I, I, I heard the manager after the match saying that where Niskanen was, was employed to play during the week. It was a wee bit deeper. So he's got that, he's got that opportunity to knock the bar into a space and just go. Uh, whereas if he gets the bar a wee bit higher up the park obviously you keep doing that you're going to run out the park uh, so it, it was definitely effective and that's what you want to see him do more of just get the bar because he's he's a very good crosser of the ball I think both feet uh, exa- yeah yeah, very very good crosser of the ball uh, it's always in a dangerous area whether or not we always get somebody on the end of it that's a, another issue no we no, we done but, uh, but that's no always on him you know he's putting the bar into the area where you want the bar to be, hmm. uh, but it was just, it was really good. Uh, such a direct run, just took the boy on. Boy didn't care how to deal with him. Crossed it. Boy, the bar post law, I can let this go. <laughs> of course, 
It had to be Tony Watt getting on the end of it with a great finish. Uh, right in the other right side of the net. Superb. Yeah. And I'm all for his shite house behaviour. I really am because... Most people are. For the, for the Motherwell fans who come out on Twitter and call them for Ahan for celebrating and you're, I'm thinking, are you not hearing what you are singing about him? He's got every right to get it up yeah. Okay. But, but, but he didn't really. He just put no. his fingers in his lugs. And exactly. Then, the fist bump or something that yeah, was it like just... they, it wasn't like Ada Bayur Ada <laughs> years ago for Man City against Arsenal where he scored and then he's run the length of the pitch that was incredible that was yeah that was but that was that was a proper get it right up yeah like I'm waiting for Kevin McDonald to do that in the next derby <laughs> I think he's a wee bit more classy than that I don't think he'll do that but, uh, no obviously like I didn't I didn't have any issue yet it's yeah. That is what it is, I it. But if, I didn't. I didn't really care about that side. What? Yeah, it was just good to see him get his his just rewards because he's been he's been excellent mm. for us since he signed. There's no doubt about it. The only thing missing was a goal, and that's not even because he's missed chance after chance. Like he's not had any chances. Mm. So to to see him on the end of a great buffet, say Emmy, uh, and bury it into the net. I, had to, I mean, I, we joked about it last week. He'll score against Motherwell. I dare say every Motherwell fan thought he would break his duck against them as well. These yeah. things are often written in the stars. Right. And I also quite like the fact the referee took real umbrage with him and thought, no, I'm putting you off the nearest side. Couldn't ask for any better because he got a better yep. ovation yep. for it, you know? He did. And uh, then he got into an argument. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was it was good it was good but the, the second half performance in general Rondo, uh, I felt it was a notch up for the first half and uh, at times not the whole second half but at times there was in particular there was one flowing move that led to uh, I think it was Liam Smith that got on the end of it near the end of the game what a move that was like the, the boy next to me was like this is going to be some goal and that's when we had the Badoon on our left back area and it was just pass, 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 and then it went to Liam Smith. And I think, I think he said after the game, like, he was absolutely knackered by that point. Yeah. Uh, but there was, that, but there was times in there. The, it was first half. I noticed it because he was messed. But like, just with his hands in there screaming for it, and he just mm-hmm. thought, "I'm not sure that can happen." But then the mirror thought, "If Kevin McDonald can go on the bar here, he'll get that bottom." And it just yeah. never come off for for one reason or another but yeah we did we, we created a lot in second half we were, we were really into it and the second goal is always going to be a killer you know if Motherwell get it the second goal in the match it's really game on if United get it then it's harder for them but I still think 2-0 is real precarious position because if they scored your arse could go eh? if it goes 2-1 your arse could go but again I didn't really feel it and Ben's your one good save doing his right again you're thinking could he put it further could the right back be in could we be back a wee bit more yeah but again it's probably the only real thing I remember I'm really hint hint today but it was um, yeah they had they had a shot near the end that was uh, the the pole that huds the nets up just at the side of the post that was that was fairly close but Benji's save ultimately it's a save he's kept it out it's no one in one net but again it was it was similar to the end against Ross County where he's pushed it out and I don't know like, I'm, I'm no goalkeeping expert but can you tip it around the post can you push it further out can he's just dropping it right into a danger area uh, and luckily nothing came of it but yeah again I felt I don't know I'm feeling fairly comfortable the last couple of games uh, like Fede Derby never thought we'd lose St Johnston didn't play great either didn't think we'd lose 
last Wednesday. I felt fairly comfortable. I felt, I felt fairly confident yesterday. Uh, and I'm not confident that we're going to blow anybody away because I've seen some predictions in our, in our group chat, people saying, ah, oh, three, nothing and whatever. I, I'm, I'm struggling to see United scoring three goals in a game, but, but we're, we're playing well as a unit again. Like we're, everybody seems to be fighting for it. And like, if we go back to Wednesday night, McNally, he put a shift in. Like he's got his critics and I don't think he was particularly great yesterday at Fairhill, but on Wednesday, you're only selling to the ground, uh, which, okay, when you look at why scored the goals and why has assisted them, his name might not show up on it, but he's 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 put a shift in for the team and he's run the, the Motherwell defence ragged at times uh, and that, that all contributes to getting the better of them at the end of the game. So I think hats off to him. And we, we did mention Liam Smith. I think he's been excellent for come back in the team. He's now got he's, competition. He's, that's the thing. Again, he's injured. Well, but yeah, no, but he can't. Uh, regardless if Sheep's injured or no, like Liam Smith, he's no blind. He's been watching the games. He can that Sheep's came in and done a hell of a good job mm. in the games that he's played this season. So, as you say, competition. You know, it's uh, you, you've got to be on your toes, and that can only be a good thing for for the team uh, and for Liam and for Sheep. You would imagine. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, when they're both fit, but. I think we're sitting we're sitting in a decent position here in the two guys for right backs yeah and uh, United hadn't scored in three games but go back to scoring ways in quite spectacular fashion during the week uh, I thought what well, I mean, they were quite lively up front um, I tell you something as well now this is an actual stat again I, I can't even I can't even put it off as Dode Fox fuck territory um, but you know we've won seven of our nine games at him this season that must be in the league obviously Uh mm. And again, when you look for the turn of the year, we obviously lost this at Merlin and Watts first game, we lost to Celtic. Aye, there's been some shite on show at times and mm. draws that would could would have quite liked, is what I'm trying to say, wins where, you know, to only get two points at the two bottom clubs, but then mm. we've beat a decent Motherwell team, uh, three, uh, two and a half, and got three points, which was big. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was... Over, it was job done. It was a big three points, which was massive. But the big thing we is we got a performance as well. No complete mm-hmm. performance. Like, listen, it's it's no beater in the wish. It wasn't a complete performance, but it was a very good performance, and that's what the main thing was. Man of the I'm match. Well, I'm oh, taking oh. I'm taking you up on this this start this fact that you've just threw out there, Rondo. You're saying we've won seven and nine. Seven of our nine wins have been at home in the league right okay right fair enough. I thought you said we've won seven out of nine because I'm thinking now nah, we've, we've lost more games at uh, no 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 seven seven out of okay. nine wins I'll, I'll let you off I'll let you off man of the match uh, Wednesday man of the match Wednesday uh, man, that was a long time ago what was man of the match Wednesday I really I can't even mind I'm gonna I'm just gonna say Ross Graham just okay. because he's the flavour of the month I'm going to get. He's he is the man of the match until we can see the goal. Okay. Any scran? I'm going to put that out there. Scran on Wednesday? No, there was none because I was at my mass for tea, and I had chicken strips with Iceland. Mm. Salt and chili chicken strips with Iceland. People. Damage. Three pound a bag. Damage. You can. Oh, uh, you can. That that head nodded before. Oh, uh, with with the Mayfl- Mayflower curry sauce on it. Oh. Amazing. Jesus. Amazing. Salivating, thinking about it. I think we'll just end this episode now. Fucking incredible stuff. Valentine's Day, Scran. Anyway. Get yourself in Iceland. <laughs> it's not even sponsored. Um, right. 
Scottish Cup away day. It's gonna be the Park Thistle on, on a beautiful playing surface. Mm-hmm. What yeah, could possibly game. go wrong? Yeah, wasn't it? Uh, was it? <laughs> it was no. It was an absolutely dire game of football, and United were far from great in the match. But it's the cup, and I'm quite happy just to put my expectations for a decent level of performance to the side as long as we get through these tough ties. And that pitch was, and I can, it's the same for both teams, uh, but that pitch was an abomination. It really was. The thing that made me laugh was at half time, and somebody took a photo actually, they've posted it on Twitter. The groundsman came out with you and he's the, the fork. I mean, I didn't care what he was hoping to achieve with that one fork. Uh, unless he was trying to hook for tatties or something, I'm not really sure. But uh, it made zero difference to the to the second half of that match. But the pitch was an absolute disgrace. It really was, and the performance, although not great, it was one where they just dug in, uh, knocked their pans in, none more so than Emmy Niskanen. Uh, that strip is uh, basically a write-off now. <laughs> There's no danger. The Das doorstep challenge wouldn't have fixed that in. Like that strip is gubbed. That needs to get auctioned for charity or something. We uh, had a signed photo of Emmy on his belly on the pitch. That's what they need to do with that top. The goal. The goal. Bullet. Oof. I haven't. I haven't, I haven't saw any of it back. I've not seen any highlights, so I can only speak about the goal for my angle of seeing it. But it looked like an absolute raker. No, quite Dylan Levitt raker. But uh, a screamer all the same. It was indeed. Uh, it was kind of what you scored at a good time, you know. Get a, get a goal in mm-hmm. the first half, going a half time. But like you're saying, it was just. I mean, no. Listen, I'm not my excuses for the performance, but you know, yes, both teams have got a play on it, but they've been playing on us every other week, so they kind of shake yeah. this ground us. But I don't know if if we just looked a wee bit tired, given it was the eighth possibly. game in about 24 days or something like that um, yeah, possibly and they had plus, I mean, plus with it being a team like Partick Thistle that there's I, I can't it shouldn't be like this but teams up their game when when the like when Celtic or Rangers come to Tanadice usually we should be up in our game that's mm-hmm. that's the way it seems to work for whatever reason so it was a bigger team going down potential for a cup shock and they were they were right up for it plus they're they're not a bad championship team in fairness uh, and they've got one or two decent players, the boy Tiffany. Number, you take, you'd have a look at the boy Tiffany, yeah? You'd have a look at him. He's, uh, he's a is decent it, well, player. Is that, is that the guy that was at Morton a few years ago? He was or at Livingston, was at, certainly. He's at Livingston. Uh, he might have mm-hmm. been. No, he, he done well. He done well. Like, he was given, I don't want to say that he was getting the better of Liam Smith, but he was definitely uh, keeping him on his toes. Uh, he was you know, at Morton. He was trying to. Uh, well, I think he scored. I think we, the, a game that we mentioned a couple of weeks back on this day, I'm sure he scored in the three mm. 0 win. Uh, arsehole that he is, but uh, but yeah, he but he was up for it, you know. He actually looked quite good. Mm. But the fact that he's been at Morton and now Thistle, it, it tells me that he maybe he only has one decent game every so many. Yeah, mind, well, mind people thought Declan McDade was good because he played twice quite well against us. Red Ron, Red Ron, absolutely. Only a game for the Riverside. Oh, he couldn't play at Riverside. Riverside's probably playing better than Farrell. <laughs> I dare say it is. Um, now, I wasn't going to totally piss on Ian McCall today, right? But because of his comments, I'm going to. Because you're going to hear a couple of decent stories later on from Mark Wilson, 
right, good and bad. And there's, there's some amusing ends, there's some interesting ends, and there's some arsehole ends, right? I'll just put that out there. But he came out yesterday and he said, uh, we were miles, miles better than Dundee United. Yeah. Our midfield was so dominant. We didn't make a lot of chances in the first half. Um, but in the second half, we battered them. But ultimately, it's a cup tear. And if you want to check, was in the hut, the morning, Mr. McCall, it's no you. But yeah. what he did say, and I saw this on a clip on Twitter, and if I could find it again, I was going to play it, but I can't find it. He basically said, our fans expect us to beat Dundee United. And I thought, you arsehole. Like, yeah. I was like, really? Like, your fans are expecting to beat a Premier You're expecting, no hoping because it's up, but they're expecting it. So I just thought, the quicker people get out with the tweets and that's the courts beat you twice, then the better. Yeah, but he's just, he's just things like that. I don't know, an issue with him saying that. He's just playing uh, to the gallery, isn't he? Yeah. He's just endearing himself to the fans. Does he know, like a, a Thistle fan himself? Nah, who cares? Back. No, ex- exactly. But now let me get to your own. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, Ian McCall's post-match press conference was essentially the same post-match press conference that Ian McCall always has after his team have played Dundee United. Win, lose or draw, his team are always miles better than United. I can, just, uh, just the way he sees it. I can, uh, I mentioned for Brian Graham will come up in your loan report later on because I get him during the week. How did he go on yesterday? <laughs> uh, I don't think he elbowed anybody in the post this week. Uh, and he was fairly quiet. Uh, yeah. He, uh, he fouled Benji once or twice. Aye. Other than that, he was, uh, I think he was in the hipper of Mr. Edwards. Mm, indeed. Uh, man of the match? I tell you. Ross Graham. Ross Graham. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Niskanen was really good yesterday. Yeah. I felt, okay. yeah. Okay. And to run about with that weight of mud <laughs> on his jersey for at least 60 minutes as well, uh, he'd done very well. Uh, Ross Graham could shite his breeks and still keep a clean sheet. Unbelievable, he, man. Four he, in a row. He's, he's playing very well, yeah. Four in a row. But then Liam Smith, he, he's in the same boat. Like, we've no conceded for he's been in the team either. So uh, credit where credit's due. Now, I, I don't care if you've you had in right but there's a rumour you could get a kebab pie yesterday yeah I didn't have one but that, that is a fact yeah so, how well, why would you, why would well, you not tell that on well because I drove through to the game and I picked Shock. the old man up exactly and the old man uh, got into the car and he had haggis brideys oh. steak brideys oh. pez oh. heated up but, but they were for little they were for little but the old man's Heart of gold, he's went, he's bought them, he's heated them up, he's brought them with him. Right. So, so, I, so I was scranning in the car, so I wasn't hungry by the time I got to the game. So, the, so I never bothered my arse. And then I got wind that there was, oh, they're actually doing kebab pies here. And I was thinking, oh, that sounds good. That sounds really good. But by the time I got wind out here, it was about 40 minutes in. I'm not queuing up. Like, there's no, have you ever been in that stand, Rondo? Uh, oh, many moons ago, it's horrible, eh? Well, it's a, well, let me tell you, it's exactly the same. Okay. <laughs> Even if you went into that stand 126 years ago, it is exactly the same. Same as the 40 you posted. The only thing is, they now sell kebab pets. That's the only <laughs> difference. <laughs> it's oh. just, I had about that place is retro. Retro strip, retro stand. Even a retro pitch for the 70s used to be. It was just an absolute shambles on area. It's really, um, yeah, it's no good at all. No good at all. I, I, I had I had pears for pear bobs yesterday. That's what I had. Oh, nice, nice. Wow. What did you go for? Steak and black pudding and mince. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and because... Uh, Creamfield yum yum. <laughs> no, no, there was near that. Uh, but I obviously bought me a pairs than I needed for 12 hours watching the game. Uh, um, so I got I got to go him with my pairs I brought. I didn't even want to keep them. We were saying, no, no, you tap them him. No problem. So in my fridge currently as a breakfast pie and a steak yes. and gravy pie. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've, had, I've not had a breakfast pie for a couple of years, but used to get them uh, nickels. I think. Oh, uh, they were. They do, were do, do you remember? Do you remember they were selling them in the hospital? Well, I don't remember. What that. is that about? Like, like that that's incredible. <laughs> to sell them on the ward because <laughs> you'll be checking yourself <laughs> in in about three weeks. Okay, bro, we're there every day. Easy, um, Right, let's take a quick look at the, the kind of results then. So Hearts went through 14 on penalties against Livy. Motherwell mm-hmm. beat the now manager-less Aberdeen 2-1. Uh, Samirn burst the Kelly Hearts bubble, possibly, 4-9. They were looking for a wee giant killing Erdenham. Uh The Rangers beat Annan 3-0. It's currently one all as we are recording this with Arbroath and Hibs. Celtic play Wraith Rovers at four and tomorrow it is the big game when Dundee will hope to sneak through against the mighty uh, Flynn Duffy and his mates Peter Heed uh, are you really fussed while we're getting the next round? No we were saying that coming back in the car uh, but I don't think it's going to matter really I don't think it's, there's not going to be an easy game I guess you just want to avoid the big two mm-hmm. and then you just take your chances there yeah, and if it's another away game, so be it. I don't mind because Scottish Cup away days following United are some of the best days that you can have as a football fan. So uh, I'm I'm quite I'm open to it, but I'm going to need you to text me what we've got because I'll be in London, so I'm not going to be near a TV. I mean, you've got no other means of finding this out yourself, uh, like or I don't care what time it draws on. I, I, after I'm the game, wanna, I just want to enjoy myself in London. Okay. I don't want to get distracted. I just need a text from my buddy telling us that United have got Peterhead away. That's what I need. You just need to tell us when, what time slots you're allowed your phone again so I can do that. Yes. Um, yes. Any refereeing moans this week? Well, I mean, the referees, again, were poor. I don't think that's that's an outrageous thing to say. Uh, but Wednesday's that far back in the in the distance now. I can't really remember much for there. Well, we but didn't get very much. No, we got nothing. But yesterday there was two incidents where I thought we maybe should have had a penalty. One of them was McNulty in the first half. He was through, and uh-huh. it looked to me like he got pulled. He back. did, huh? huh? No, I don't know if it was in the box or no. That's because of, as I say, I've only seen it once. Bar here territory, get... but still should have been awarded someone. Yeah, plus that boy was, he was right through. He was right through, so that boy would have been off. And then the second one, I think it was, uh, the second half it was Niskanen went through. I don't care if the boys made a great tackle on him oh, or if he's wiped I Niskanen saw, out. I'm not sure. I so at the time, I was screaming penalty, but when you actually see it, he does, he, we're talking bar here territory here, but he definitely yeah. gets to the bar first. Well, right. fair enough. But then there was one, who was it? It was the United player that got penalised. I can't mind if it was Ross Graham or Butch. But he, he slid in on somebody just around about the halfway line, got the bar first, albeit got the man as well. And I'm not sure if that's the rules. Like if you even get any of the man, then it's a foul. But uh, it's it was beaten yesterday, wasn't it? It was you, you can it's you're not going to get anything for him. Yeah. 
you'll hear lodge meeting at night or something you would imagine <laughs> allegedly maybe um, overall good week uh, I, I've enjoyed it anyway like my team's played two games won both of them played no bad for a half in one of them got through in the cup played, that, got through in the cup yep been surrounded by 1800 mad Arabs yesterday singing songs ah, I kind of complain Rondo Excellent. I kind of complain because there's, there's too many weeks where you didn't get a result you didn't get a performance the atmosphere's key so no it was class I, I've quite enjoyed the last couple of games alright on to um, next week the Rangers are at Tanadice it's Sunday 12 noon yep. Yep. Um, oh, that pushes us back again, uh, it? it does uh, <sighs> didn't I think about that Sunday I out of sync the next couple of weeks but we'll get to that <laughs> I mean what do we even say we've, we've performed we'll admirably well against yeah. them this season so far yeah I, I think that it's the sort of game that probably suits us because we didn't hit a we didn't hit a force to tempo uh and we, no one gave us a chance earlier in the season and we managed to beat them. And then absolutely nobody gave a chance at Ibrox and we almost held on if it wasn't a far. A wee bit of buffoonery for Scott McMahon in the box trying to catch crosses instead of just trying to stick his arse out and block it. Then we might have got something for that game as well. So uh, I'm absolutely no fearful at all. Just uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, you know. It will be the first time that I think the the Rangers fans all have been at Tanadice for a number of years. I don't know kind of it's a boycott. But saying that they were there when we got Linfield in the, the Iron Brew Cup where there was a few of them that showed up that day. Uh so yeah, the, the atmosphere might be a wee bit poisonous coming through the stands, I would imagine. The away stands that is. Uh but I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I kinda I, I, I kinda hope chance. I kinda hope they're only in the like the Jim McLean and even the Shed, I hope they're not in the, other, in the Jerry Kerr. I'm not sure what the situation is there yet, because... Is there be, a fixed? Ah, no idea. There was netting up the other day, I have no idea, but just, um, I just hate, I just hate being in the middle of it, because that's what it feels like, eh? Either shite yeah, songs but, and... Uh, it's best dosh, you know? It's, I can, it's, I can, I can. It's easy money. It's easy money. I can, but it's still, yeah, still shite. They made 11 changes yesterday. I mean, they were playing on Athletic and yeah. Yeah, when you can roll out Aaron Ramsey for a first start and you're, uh, when you're changing 11 boys, eh, you must be doing all right. But um, Yeah. Yeah. Madness. Well, it's uh, tw- yeah, 12 noon is the kickoff because it's live on the TV. Uh, tickets are on sale on the website, dungeonatedfc.co.uk. It's a battle of the Welshman next week then, isn't it? Oh, yes. Oh yes. To see who is the rightful best Welsh midfielder in the Scottish Premier. That's exactly what it is. I know who my money's on. <laughs> you are dumb. And right. he's never played for Juventus. I'll <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there. Quite right. Uh right, let's uh let's move on to everyone's favourite part of uh of the podcast that we believe runs at about four minutes. Over to you. This week's loan report. Hey, we're gonna start we were were a boy that we never forget about a boy that we, we always at the forefront of our minds Trevor Carson and Morecambe Trevor recovered from his concussion in time to play the full 90 minutes in his side's 2-1 defeat last midweek away at Lincoln I'm happy to report that he never flogged either of the goals but it didn't help his team win any points on the night on to Saturday and they welcomed fellow releg- relegation battlers Gillingham to the Mazuma Stadium Rondo 
A win would have given them a little bit of breathing space, but it wasn't to be. Trevor did play the full 90, but his side could only scrape a one-all draw, courtesy of a late equaliser. Declan Glass at Kilmarnock. Due to a slight hamstring injury, Deco couldn't have played this week, so missed out on his team getting pumped for air and then just seeing off Cole Donaldson and his merry men. Here's hoping his injury is a minor one and he's back pronto. Kai Fotheringham at Cove Rangers. Kai continued his loan spell up at the Balmoral Stadium by again starting this one on the bench. Cove welcomed Queen's Park into their house and it was to prove to be a frustrating afternoon for them. Despite having a man advantage for about 55 minutes, they just couldn't have break through the resolute Queen's Park defence. Kai would get a few more minutes this week as he came on at right midfield in the 76th minute. The game finished 0-0. Darren Watson at East Fife. Darren started this one away to Aloha and it was the worst possible start for his team. Within two minutes, Aloha were one up, courtesy of a goal by Mark Dernan. Despite that setback though, and hindered by the fact that Stuart Murdoch was in their starting lineup, East Fife proceeded to put in a fantastic performance to run out 3-1 winners on the day, with Darren playing magnificently on the right-hand side of the park. Flynn Duffy at Peterhead. On Monday, we are all Flynn Duffy. He'll take to the pitch with the rest of his Peterhead pals and try their best to avoid an almighty cup shock. They are welcoming the minnows of Dens Park up to Balmoor and they have it all to lose. No one in their right mind will expect Dundee to get through this tie. Not even James McPake's mother Mary will believe that the dark blue deadbeats can raise their performance levels enough to get past Jimmy Mack's charges. Good luck to Flynn and good luck to Jimmy Mack. Logan Chalmers at Inversnecke. During the week, Logan and his Inverness Tuchters took on Partick Thistle at home in the league. He had to kick his heels on the bench for the first 53 minutes of the match, but he did come on and contribute massively to his side winning an unlikely point. It was a match that Inverness never led in, courtesy of Brian Graham notching a hat-trick, but in the 94th minute, Logan has swung over a tempting corner and Kirk Broadfoot has rose highest to head the ball home with the last act of the match, and that was at three-all on the night. As for Saturday, Inverness got the day off, courtesy of being out of the cup. Again, Mark Connolly at Dundalk, his season still hasn't started. I believe it starts next week. Leighton Bisland and Nathan Cooney at Brecon City. My intel tells me that Nathan Cooney has a broken foot. I mentioned it last week and I haven't been sued for telling Les yet, so I'm going to assume that his loan spell is done. However, this week, we also sent a Fintry Sham up to Brecon to gain some playing minutes and experience as young Leighton Bisland went on loan. Leighton has then made his first start for his loan side as they travelled to face Bucky Thistle in the Highland League. Bittersweet day for the boy, however, as he'll have been delighted to get 65 minutes of action, but his team have went down 1-0 to a deflected first-half free kick. Adam Hutchison at Dumbarton. Adam has properly gotten his loan spell underway last midweek as he has started and played the full 90 minutes for Dumbarton away to Queen's Park. He played in the middle of midfield, taking the position of the missing Paul Payton on the night, but his side went down to a 2-1 defeat at Firhill. Let's blame the pitch. On a Saturday now, and he once again played the full 90 minutes, but this time at right back as his side headed for Clyde. Dumbarton were to channel their inner Dundee United a la Ibrox in 1993 and were 3-0 up within 20 minutes. From there on in, it was a case of just seeing the game out, which they did. Adam will have enjoyed his week's work as that's two 90 minutes for him 
with the second one resulting in a 3-1 victory for the Suns. Rory Adams at Lothian Thistle Hutchie Vale. Rory couldn't play this weekend as he has been ill this week. Hopefully he can get himself back well again and back in between the sticks for his Hutchie side next week. Reese Caves at Spartans. Reese started his team's match against Gretna 2008 on the bench. He would get on in the 36th minute, however, due to an injury to their central midfielder. When Reese came on, the score was 0-0. By the time the game had ended, the Spartans ran out 2-1 winners and cemented their second place in the league, just ahead of Celtic and the Rangers B teams. Sean Brown at Cumbernauld Colts. The action for Sean again as he is still, unfortunately, nursing himself back from injury. Hopefully, fingers crossed, the lad will be back within the next couple of weeks. For what it's worth, his Colts team beat Galaferadine Rovers 2-1. The Academy team. Last week, three of the Academy lads were called up for the Scotland under-17s for their matches against England. So congratulations are in order for Craig Moore, Lewis O'Donnell and Rory McLeod. Well, we didn't mention. Shame on us. For the actual Academy team, United headed to Lennox Town on Friday night to take on Celtic. They made three changes to the side, which was defeated in Ayrshire seven days prior. Ryan Moon also tweaked the system with Lewis O'Donnell, usually deployed in midfield, slotting in the centre of a back five. Attacking midfielder Miller Thompson, Ronnie's mate, who signed a new contract this week, also displayed his versatility as he began as a right wing back. There were chances at both ends in the opening stages before United started to gain the upper hand, utilising the wing backs Sam Lovey and Miller Thompson Bully. Rory McLeod has made the headlines this week as he became the youngest ever to pull on a tangerine shirt and on his return to the under-18s, he was instrumental in the game's opening goal. The 16-year-old used his blistering pace to leave his marker for dead and race to the byline, eventually drilling the ball across the box for his colleague Heenan to collect, swivel and slam home off the bar from eight yards to give United a deserved lead after 15 minutes. McLeod and Heenan almost combined effectively once more on the 40th minute when the former dropped deep to pick up the ball and find the latter with a dinked pass over the defence, with Heenan plucking it out the sky expertly. Unfortunately, the Celtic defender managed to recover and put in a vital sliding challenge before he could get his shot away. In the 53rd minute, United were reduced to 10 men as Bertie saw red for an apparent elbow on his opponent. 60 seconds later, things went from bad to worse for the lads as Celtic got back on level terms. From that point on, it was a case of backs to the wall and dig in for United, with goalkeeper McCabe at times producing heroics to keep the green and white wave at bay. The game would finish one all, and it was no less than United deserved for their battling performance in the second half. Next up for the lads, a trip to Aberdeen on Tuesday night. The women's team. I'm going to start with an apology. Last week, Nyla Murphy signed for the team, and I completely omitted that fact from my notes. I'm a dumpling. Having done a little bit of digging on Nyla though, and finding out what men's team she actually supports, I can't say that I'm too caught up about omitting her from my update. That being said, and all joking aside, welcome to the club, Nyla. We wish you well. As we are recording this this week, the team are preparing for a big cup match. They are away to Hearts in the Scottish Cup. It's a tough tie for sure, but if nothing else, a great test for the ladies. I'm not going to make any predictions about this one, but I'll be keeping Ahan crossed that they can win through. Good luck to Graham Hart and his girls. Yes, the reason I didn't mention Ronnie McLeod is because I knew you were going to mention it in the in the academy, and I was going to say, 
what a week for him. He's come on, he's the youngest ever player, and then he was playing for the under 18s again on Friday. And then he was back on the bench yesterday. He was back on the bench yesterday as well. Yeah, I, hope, I hope he's getting paid accordingly. <laughs> he seems to be working every day just now. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic for him, I suppose, getting on the park. Uh, it's a dream, dream come true, is it? Like, you would give your. You would give both your bollocks to have made a, a short appearance for for Dundee United Rondo. So uh, he's already done it and his bollocks probably haven't even dropped yet. Tremendous. We prick. Anyway, <laughs> we're just jealous. We're just jealous. Um, right, Tales from Tandis. So it's in its final print run from the Supporters Foundation. Go to dusf.scot forward slash nutmeg to order yours. The Supporters Foundation has raised over £230,000 for the club, charities, and fans' projects since it begun. You can join up with hundreds of fellow Arabs by going to dusf.scot forward slash pledge and you can be united and join the foundation the United Future Lottery jackpot has now been won again to £1,750 up for grabs this Friday and there's never a bad time to sign up to the lottery it's only a pound a week sign up get the details unitedlottery.co.uk and remember all the proceeds go to support our academy um, I'll give you the 50-50 numbers I know the second prize is definitely being claimed um, first prize was £440 during the week ticket number 163314 and second prize £145 well done to ticket number 161958 uh, if you want to get more details on either of those things again unitedlottery.co.uk <laughs> It is time for Games of Goals. Five points up for grabs. You just have to match the five players to hear the amount of games they played or the goals they scored. For everyone you get correct, you get a point. The only resource allowed is the uh, Arab Archive. It's the words I'm looking for. The scores at the minute, it's Ronnie 57, Paul 59. Now... I'm not actually sure how well I done last week. I thought it was okay. I thought we were okay. You got a three? Yeah, it was okay. It was okay. What about what I guess the game near the end? But are you ready for your five players this week? We're ready. He's got a different pen. He's got a different pen on him this week, ladies and gentlemen. Right. Stole it from my old man. Jeez. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Ace Pez stole his pen. What next? Right, alphabetical order, because I'm nice like that. Greg Cameron. Greg Cameron. Mm-hmm. Podcast Pal. Hasnel Joffrey. Hasnel. Yep. Podcast Pal. Lauren Shankland. Shanks. Ryan McGowan. Okay. And William Edgingelly. On the telly. <laughs> I'm just going to write William Edge. Tell <laughs> <laughs> we'll be here all day. Ready for your numbers. 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 39. 39. Okay. 40. Mm-hmm. 41. <laughs> 66 oh. and everyone's favourite 69 oh, cheesy peeps 
Oh, Ethan Cat. I'm no. <laughs> <laughs> what am I saying? Jesus Christ. Uh, right, Hasney was here a couple of years. Shanks was only here. Shanks got to be goals. Got to be goals. Ryan McGowan. Everybody else's appearances. Shanks has got to be goals. That's what I'm thinking. Would would that be would that be your game now in a while? Yeah? You're, you're, a, you're a hard man to please, Rondo. You are a hard man to please. Right, Hasney. Hasney was injured though. He was here about three years, was he? Right, okay. Shanklin's goals. 39-40. 41, right. So I'm last one left to 39-40 and 41. <laughs> and I think it's fair to say Shanklin scored either 39-40 or 41 goals. <laughs> Uh, Ryan McGowan what, what are we talking Ryan McGowan a season and a half we had him something like that could be Fevier who knows right, okay McGowan, but he, made, but he right. made some coin who eh? in China but he made good dosh I don't know mm. I, I tell you what right, right, I've, I've, I've wrote my numbers down but I'm very surprised like Greg Cameron, because it's got to be game, so I'm surprised that he's either any of these numbers. But I'll stop waffling. Come on, so in. I've got, I've got William Edge and Gelly. Yep. Sixty nine, because he was there a couple of years. Okay. Has Hasnell Joffrey sixty six, and then it gets dicey. <laughs> so <laughs> I say it gets dicey. It's maybe already dicey. Maybe Greg Cameron. I've I've went thirty nine. I'm I'm putting him the lowest. Okay. Shankland. I'm going forty goals, and that leaves McGowan on forty one appearances. The last three could go either way. So could the first two. Let's be honest. You locking them in? Uh, yeah. Hmm. Last yeah. chance. No, not not this. That's all, I guess. Anyway, so I'm lo- I'm logging them in. Greg Common yeah scored two goals one two scored against Aberdeen didn't he in 39 appearances superb I'm surprised he played that often Hasnel Joffrey scored seven goals Mm -hmm. in 66 66 appearances yeah that, the, the reason that that was in my mind is because he's English and the English like 66 for whatever reason the idea that stuck in my mind for when we spoke to him Lauren Shankland mm-hmm. made 74 appearances mm-hmm. he scored 40 Goals. Oh, nice one. Ryan McGowan scored that one goal. Be, it's got to be a full hush. And 41 appearances. And William Edging Gelly made Abdi's favourite 69 appearances, scoring two goals. It's five out of five. I actually, when you look at the numbers, you think shithouse. But again, it's one of them. If you just take a wee step back and think of the players, you mm-hmm. can probably just work out. So Paul's was, now up to 64. Well, 
Yeah. So four, uh, seven point lead has opened up. Yeah, I, the the Greg Cameron in does surprise me. Like I kind of, I can't believe he played thirty nine games, but he was an Arab as well. So Brewster he lived the dream. Yeah, yeah, so. he lived the dream mm. thirty nine times. Yes. Superb. And, and did he I'll take it. Of course you will. Pen drop, mic drop them out of here. Uh, Dude Fox Podcast shops back open. DoodFoxPodcast.com. Thank you very much uh, to everyone who ordered hoodies. Uh, we're a bit of a delay, but they are all out now. Uh, they have been posted if you want to get yourself involved. Uh, got on the website, DoodFoxPodcast.com. Uh, right, the live show is just two weeks away. It'll be episode 136 live, 27th of February. Uh, doors open seven o'clock. Show kicks off half past seven. Uh, remember, if you want, if you're coming along, you want to play games of goals or who am I? Drop us a DM uh, because it'll be more fun if somebody else plays. And uh, yeah, get get in touch with myself and uh, we'll sort out on the night. We're going to bring about who am I? Uh, hopefully, Martin will play that because he likes to call it guess who. So perfect opportunity for him if he wants to do it. Um, <laughs> Uh, and if you can't make it and we, we've said this last couple of weeks if you can't make it let us know because people are looking for tickets so if you, if you, if you can't make it for whatever reason let us know and we can get your tickets sell on uh, and transferred and all that kind of stuff and you can sort yourself out uh, one thing I do need to address is uh, there's been a little bit of a, of a of a, an over an oversight on the roads in the, uh, the little theatre. The, the foxes have passed, and there's no row I in the little theatre, uh, but you could buy row I when you're buying your tickets. So, just to explain, and we'll explain this next week and on the night and all that kind of stuff. If you have got a ticket for row I, you're actually in row J. If you're in row J on your ticket, you're actually in row K, and if your ticket says K, you're actually in row L. None changes, we're not moving you, it's just there's near why. So that's what's happened. But again, thanks very much for your support. See you in a couple of weeks. Can't wait, it's gonna be great fun. Watch your numbers. I know, I know. I was only when I was doing the selling tickets that then I eat. Honestly, I was only when I was doing I was doing the seating plan this morning. Crying out for people uh, for uh, Scott is going to be on the door and I was like, Oh wait a minute. How how that Oh shit! What have I done now? So yeah, that, that's what it is. So, um, but yeah, thank you very much again to everyone for the support. Really looking forward to it. It's a couple of weeks away, and uh, more details next week about what's going to be happening and all that kind of stuff on next week's episode. Right, we've waffled on long enough. Uh, on this day, still to come as well. But first, it's time for this. So our guest this week had two spells at Tanadice with his league debut coming in a 1-0 win against Dundee when he was just 17. Welcome to the podcast, Mark Wilson. How are you, Mark? I'm good, thanks. Thanks very much for having me on. I appreciate it. I know what is your tallest and we're going to have a look back at your well, two spells at United as it was, of course, uh, including starting out when you were younger. But before we even get there, as a Glasgow boy, what was it like for you growing up in the West Coast in the 80s and 90s? <laughs> I was fine I mean uh, like every other kid uh, out in the pitches ash pitches at that time of course none of this AstroTurf 4G luxury <laughs> that the kids are playing on now um, uh, so quite fortunate that I got up I got brought up in that environment and uh, football was always on my doorstep so pretty lucky to have uh, a dad who supported me you know a big football fan 
um, took me to the, took me to games, took me all my my training, and uh, you know set me on my path to where I eventually ended up. So I, I really enjoyed my childhood, you know, from from council estates. So I believe that's where I kind of honed some of my skills and some of you know the kind of attributes that I took in my career from playing in the streets. To, you tend to hear that with a lot of kids growing up in council estates that. They're the ones who come up with that wee bit of bite between their teeth to, to go on and prove people wrong. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. what, you what your earliest football in memory was or the first game you maybe watched or anything like that? Um, I Probably earliest memories was playing my, you know, the wee soft balls you get in the house with my dad. We had a, a hall, again, council house, but a hall. And just playing long shooting, long shooting. I must have, I could probably reach my arm out and touch the other door now, but <laughs> it seemed like an eternity away. Um, and continuing that to then playing in the streets, um, you know, uh, normal fences across the street, a small street, and we'd use them as goals, tiny wee gates. And me and my pals just grew up playing that. Um, games I went to because, uh, because geographically where I was, five minutes for Celtic Park and um, my dad took me to Celtic games and remember going to old firm games as, as young as five and six years old so a great a great experience I remember he took me to Tannadice a Celtic game at Tannadice I remember going the the supporters bus and um, it's a funny one because my dad's originally from Dundee so um, and, and all that side of the family from Dundee he was he was the only Celtic fan really and, and the family, the rest are Dundee United fans. So I was uh, growing up how how things have turned out for me that I was lucky enough to represent both of them and, and please both sides of the family. Uh, did you have any, was there school football? Was there a boys club that you played for younger days? Yeah, school football was a big part of it. So primary schools, that's, that's why I think kids miss out a bit now because they're quite restricted in that. The schools don't let them play. They're quite, uh, sorry, clubs don't let them play for their school team. But for me, it was big primary school football. Um from probably primary five through to seven. And that kind of opened up a gateway for me, selected for, at that time it was Glasgow School Select. And of course you get all these regional select teams come up against each other. They're sort of best of the best. So it set me on a pathway um, to, to where I, I was eventually to get to, with uh, the Scotland kind of old boy stuff. And I uh, got my first introduction to Largs, uh, an SFA setup when I was in primary five. I was quite fortunate to be selected for that whole group of kids from all over Scotland went for a training camp. And then when I moved to first year, um, again involved with the school team, there was a there was a big emphasis in school football back then and and where I was in Coat Bridge at St Ambrose School. Uh, lucky enough to be selected for Scotland Schoolboys. And and that's when Scotland Schoolboys, you know, there was a big attention, you know, lots of attention on it. I was on Sky Sports, which was brilliant at the time. You know, we got to leave school to, to go and play. Um, with was Northern Victory Island. Shield. Victory Shield. Victory Shield. Yeah. Yeah. Victory Shield. So it was, it was magic. I mean, imagine, um, you know, being 13, uh, 14 year old, 14 year old maybe. And, I was sponsored by Adidas as well. So you get kitted out in Adidas, you got the new Predators, you got to play on Sky and you got out of school, which was the most important thing. So <laughs> school football played a, a huge part in, in, in where I kind of, where I'd aspire to be. Because once you get a wee taste of that, that was great. But some of my best memories is, is playing primary school football and high school football. It's a shame that kids don't get the opportunity nowadays. 
Yeah, it's a diff- different world, is it? Was there yeah. any other players from from the teams that you played in then of that myself and Ron and the listeners might know of? And the teams, um, I came up against plenty, um, plenty who have went on to run about my age group. Chris Burke, of course, is is Kilmarnock and. Still playing. Still, geez, so I know he'll he'll never finish. Burke, um, <laughs> Stephen Pierce, uh, you know, kind of guys are in um, that nature. Which I'm trying to think in terms of Dundee, the, there wasn't many that I, I can recall going on to kind of to to play. Darren, like the big one was Darren Fletcher at that time. Mm. Darren Fletcher was in my Scotland schoolboys team. The Darren was for the East Coast, um, same age as me. There's always rumours. You always heard rumours. That was a brilliant thing about school football. You always heard rumours of these guys from Edinburgh or Aberdeen who were amazing and you couldn't wait to see them. And the only time you got to see them was when you came together for the the Scotland Schoolboy Trials down at Largs and it was just this collection of brilliant players from everywhere. And uh, Fletcher played the year above. He, he, got, he was that good to get selected for the year above. But then when it came his age, he was in your group. And uh, at that time, believe it or not, Oh, was he 14, 15? He was in the cusp of being in Man United's first team. Sir Alex had, had already contacted the school, the story goes. And uh, I mean, he's had no bad career, has he? <laughs> I think he's the one that kind of hoped to build in my age group. Yeah, that's incredible as well. And obviously went on to, to he had his problems later on, but he had a fantastic career playing for under, well, we'll always say the second best Scottish manager, but we'll get to that. Um, how did joining <laughs> United come about for you then? Yeah, so at the time, about 13 year old, you asked if I had any boys' club memories. So at that time, you know, you're, you're going to build local boys' clubs in Glasgow. Burnt Broom Villa was my local one, just a, a boys' club started up in the local area. Moved on to a slightly bigger establishment, Wolves Boys' Club, which is quite big in the east end of Glasgow. Dundee United Boys' Club then were recruiting in that area. Now, it was a Glasgow based boys' club, um, but it fed into the youth system. There was that kind of progression that if you did well they would then select you for the, the pro youth academy that just came in um, there's a lot of critics there's still a lot of critics about that but um, and that's how I got involved played a few tournaments with them and a guy Graham Livingston who who'd brought through so so many you know youth players that went on to represent first team an incredible guy picked me up and then took me to the pro youth and I had an incredible relationship with Livy, um, really close to him. He kind of, he kind of shaped me when I was younger, took me to Dundee, you know, after school, I remember being picked up a lot of the time, driven to Dundee to play in bounce games at the Gussie where they would get the, the Aberdeen boys who were representing United up there to come down, would make one team and it was just a brilliant experience. Um, trained, trained in, in Dundee United Pro Youth on a Monday and a Wednesday in Glasgow played our games at Bathgate uh, Bathgate run about Bathgate uh, Armadale on a Sunday and then when it came to 15 year old 16 year old that's when the, the harsh decisions were made and I was one of the ones that were lucky enough to be offered a full time contract to go into the apprentice uh, scheme at United and that was me off into the big bad world at sixteen, moving to Dundee into Diggs. Yeah, one of, one of we've been lucky enough to have a, a lot of ex players on, and Johnny Russell says the same thing about Glasgow playing at Bathgate. But and then I asked him the question: I'm assuming schooling wasn't that important as soon as you knew, and he was like, "Oh no, I just 
I fucked it off. I was off. I was in the cairn. You know, were you, what kind of people were you? Were like, were you, did you stick in or were you just driven by this dream of being a professional? No, no, I stuck in, um, to be honest. I, I always thought, like, all, it's easy to say no, but I always thought education was important. I quite enjoyed school. You know, I wasn't one of them that just kind of blanked it out. I was, I was trying my hardest and I, I got decent results, but I'm kicking myself now, you know, looking back on it. If I had a choice, I would have stayed at school an extra year and, and gained some higher education. And, you know, the, the talent and, and the drive was never going to leave me to be a footballer. But it's only when you finish your career, you think, was that a bit too soon? But as, like, as soon as the contract was offered, um, I, so I was I was 15 in the May, uh, turned 16 in June, the contract was offered at the end of May. Now I could have stayed on, but when that's dangled in front of you, you know, the opportunity to go and play. Especially at that age. But you're yeah. sitting there today as a 37, 38-year-old man thinking, I wish I had stayed, stayed at school an extra year. But when you're that person that's at school, you're thinking, no, no, no. I'm staying an extra year. I want to be kicking a bar and getting paid for it. Yeah. Well, not. The, 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 you know, the fear is, Paul, is, is you miss your chance, you know? And, mm-hmm. and you know, what if you knocked it back? I'll stay an extra year. That was always in my mind if I get injured. Although the talent and the drive when they leave me, what if something happened and I didn't get the opportunity again? Because mm. if I'm honest, probably about 95% of the guys in my school wanted to be offered a contract. And there was a couple, I think one or two went to Celtic, didn't eventually make it, and, and myself. So I came along and look, I didn't, I, I didn't regret it at all throughout my career. It's only now in hindsight when I'm older, I think mm. if I had advice or if my son was into football, I'd say, look, maybe have a, I think about this, but yeah. it was a great time moving to Dundee when I was just turned 16 into Diggs with, with four boys. Um, it was a brilliant experience. Talk to us. We well, like a Diggs story. Diggs <laughs> story. So at my time, I moved to just a place off Baxter Park where our big guy, um, Bill, Bill Davidson, who was brilliant, looked, looked after us. There was uh, myself and my mate actually came through, came through the same school. We actually came through all the way through primary school and high school, he was the year above me, Daniel Ogan Maddy. Now, don't know, you'll have to research. Can you remember Daniel Ogan Maddy? We, we play a left winger. We play a daft game on this podcast, right? Or games or goals. It's completely stupid. And the very first player I used was Danny Ogan Maddy. <laughs> no. Because I was there for his debut. I remember it. I remember him scoring yeah. it and whatever. And Paul, the look on Paul's face, he's going, Danny, Danny, what? Who? Danny, who? <laughs> and then obviously, when you look at, um, he he went to the states and seemed to have done really well for himself in the end. But he was rapid, rapid. It was honestly that Danny was Danny was a great guy. As I say, he was my best pal. Really, it's amazing that two two kids from the same primary school uh, in Bayliston in Glasgow were in the same high school and then just ended up the same experience and, and sharing their digs together. So I shared the room with Danny for a couple of years uh, downstairs in the house. We had uh, a guy called Ryan Waddle. Um, Ryan kind of flirted with the the, the first team a wee bit um, and then went on to do other things I think he's into property now and Sean O'Connor um, you remember Sean O'Connor mm-hmm. yep. uh, big striker for Birmingham Sean was already in the digs and us three came and joined him so Ryan and Sean shared the room me and Danny upstairs and uh, we got him great I was I was brilliant a couple of years together um, and, and the guy who looked after us I mean they don't get enough credit these these people 
who run the digs because four four young guys are thrust upon them may have to pick up the pieces and well, uh, and uh, try and look after them for some of the stories <laughs> we've held they definitely didn't get the credit they deserve uh, uh, I mean listen our digs were slightly uh, more downbeat than, than some of the ones across the road we we winners and Duff and McCracken and all the guys they uh, they were lively listen if you're looking after <laughs> digs that includes Johnny Russell David Goodwillie and some of them you were doing. No, that was die. That was a young team. They were, <laughs> they were all after us. The, the stories we hear for them are oh. legendary. Quiet, quiet. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, we do love a dig story. I mean, we've had them. Let's see, we've had dig stories for Paddy Conley, Kevin Gallagher, and you're just thinking. I mean, Paddy Conley, he stayed in the Hilltown, didn't he? Someone like that. Yes. And yeah. it was just, I mean, incredible. Patience of the Saint. I think a lot of them for sure. Um, when mm. you signed, what's it like meeting Paul Sturrock and Jim McLean for the first time? Oh, I mean, that was, it was amazing for me. I mean, Paul Sturrock was always, Paul Sturrock and Livy were, were good pals anyway, really good pals. Um, so Livy was always talking about him and the manager of the club when you're 15, 16, you're just dying to meet him. So when I went up to sign the contract, still got a newspaper cut somewhere and it's me with a gel down here, horrendous, my mum and dad, they are white as a sheet and Paul Sturrock and a, uh, it's just a surreal experience, especially for my dad. Now, I know he's a Celtic fan, but he grew up in Dundee. Um, all his family united. He knew how much a legend this guy was. And of course, Jim McLean, everybody knew Jim McLean. Um, just kind of in awe. All of these guys just, wow, you know, actually living legends. And um, there's not many of them about just now that I've, I've rubbed shoulders with, but these guys were actual legends. And I was lucky, Jim, uh, Jim McLean, seemed to like me you know he, he seemed to like me for the off never had any harsh words I was I was only only cross paths with him uh, you know over a short period but even when I was 15 you know coming up every week and meeting him he, he was always incredibly nice to me it was amazing to be in the company with some of these guys and I was ashamed that, that Paul left so so early into my United career because I was uh, I was banging him gave me my debut before I actually got my debut. I was thinking he, he quite likes me. There's a chance here of getting in, and he, he went. But uh, just great, great guys. We um, just a great aura and great presence from them. Yeah, and you'd have been obviously a young lad around about the place. But do you remember the time when Jim McLean thought he was in a boxing ring? How do we go? Uh, you know, I it was funny. I was uh, so at the time we play our youth matches. Um, Sometimes on a Friday late afternoon or a, an early Saturday morning, but I think that week it was a, I think it was a Friday that week. So we we would then travel back to Glasgow, see our families, and come back up on the Monday morning. But sitting there watching uh, the results come in the TV, and I just couldn't believe it. I cannot believe it. it was all the all the horror stories that you'd heard about this guy, and I'm saying to my mum and dad, he's oh, he's a lovely, he's a lovely guy, and. He's never said a bad word to me. He's, he's on the telly having a square go uh, with John Barnes. It was, it was terrific. And I suppose that's just a measure of the man. He, he was just, he brought so much, or he cared about that club so much that if anybody went a bit at their own way or insulted anything or insulted his intelligence, he was going to stand up for himself. So, again, a shame that it was so early into my, my time at the club because I would have loved to have been about him more. Mm. Definitely. What, what jobs did you have back then when you were just 15, 16, just uh, trying to break into the first team then? What did they have you doing? 
oh Jesus, everything what did they all have us doing? So at that time, I mean, who? So that started off Tommy McLean was there. So you can imagine what Tommy was like. Mo Malpass, Terry Butcher, mm-hmm. Mo Hegarty. I mean, you kind of get more old school than that. So you imagine what they had today. They made us do it. So um, my first gig when I went in, given two players right away. Uh, one was Alex Marthy. I'll never forget that, Alex Marthy. And can't remember the other one. Anyway, uh, Tassos. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe was it Tassos? And uh, look after their kit. But they were so particular about their kit. Um, and then I got put on, was it making sure the, the, the kit, the actual equipment for training was was set up. So I got put, the way it worked is the young YTS is coming in, were paired with a, a second year YTS, if you like, who'd already been shown the ropes. So um, I think it was Stuart Duff maybe, me and him. But the pressure on you to get that kit right, there's one ball missing. If there was pegs missing for the, the goals, because we had to actually manually put up the goals yeah. Which sounds different I, I tell some of the kids now when we're moving goals with the wheels and they're moaning, and I'm saying, What are you moaning? At? We have to build these, and they're going to have to build them. Seven the freezing cold, put the nets on, stretch them, put the pegs in, and if it was squint or not in the right place, we had to take them down. So, started off with that. I think second year I got put on actual the kit, like to wash and dry the kit. So, yeah, imagine that. That was just a that was just shit job, you know. <laughs> Good imagine. And just, uh, and then I got put on the uh, the staff, the actual staff kit. And again, that was an absolute bollock as well, because you're, you know, what I mean, you're getting in and you're getting abused for all right, living legends, but they're just they're just abusing you for all the right reasons. You know, I would never change it now. At the time, I used to moan about it all the time, and so did everybody else, but. Some of the things, yeah, I just, I just made you into the person you're. Yeah, showers, mopping showers, cleaning showers, of course, cleaning the seats and the sand. Um, that was every Friday. I mean, that was that was horrid as well. Um, I don't so think they do that anymore. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 they do, no, they do shit all now. They don't do anything. Now. That's the thing. But um, cleaning the minibuses, I got put in that gig as well. So. I think it was like a three-month rotational mm. kind of thing. Um, it just it just shaped you. I think I, I thought I really do think it was better for the players, and I understand why why you can't do it now. But it just shaped me into it's a discipline thing. Adult. Yeah, yeah, discipline. So yeah, and and then when you go on the pitch, I think uh, Paul Hegarty. I always remember Paul. Hager, you still always say if you're lazy off the pitch, you're you're lazy on the pitch. It's never, never a truer saying. Mm. So yeah. they, they got to see what you were like at doing these jobs. If you were, if you were pretty poor and your standards were a bit lax, and what chance you got if you go on the pitch? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you were brilliant, how they sorry, I was going to say it was brilliant how they installed the team ethics. So if somebody hadn't done their job properly, you all had to wait until four o'clock or five o'clock until Morris or or Paul came out and checked the jobs. If one guy hadn't done their job properly you were all staying so that guy had let down the full team yeah. so mm. I installed that and you pretty quickly yeah mm. no I was just going to mention if you were looking after Alex Matthews kit did you forget to park his bits or because you never done much <laughs> I mean <laughs> but, but what's, hap- around what's happened there <laughs> <laughs> but, he didn't have the best time when I was oh, looking after him I, the, the good thing is his boots were always clean uh, I didn't a, have to clean them didn't get any dirt on them Please. Um, see for that like when you say players were really particular what what do you mean what, like were they saying it had to be 
certain types of socks or shirts or aye. stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Alex, I mentioned Alex because he was he was one of the ones that. Um, I mean, all the all the kind of towels. Everything had their number on it. Okay, right, but. At that time, who was I think United were sponsored by TFG. Remember TFG mm-hmm. kicking about yep. I so um and the and, and the stuff would come off, you know, in the wash. I think it was because we tumble dried it at like three hundred <laughs> degrees. So the stuff would come off. But I, I remember sometimes hand them kit uh, not even kit, like um a towel or I think it was slips, you know, pants or something, didn't have his number on and it made it particularly hard for me, you know, at that point. Get me my. No, he was obviously trying to teach me a lesson, and probably when I went out looking for this number nine towel or whatever it didn't exist, he would probably be laughing with the first team because I've seen it myself. Um, but again, it's just showing you the ropes. It's it's uh, it, the socks were a, a big thing as well. You know, players are particular about that. They're divas, man. They're, they're they, they 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 love to be spoiled. You know, and I mean, boots, boots were the big one for me. I was always shit at cleaning boots, right? Really bad. You had some boys on the on the staff who were brilliant at cleaning boots, like really took a pride in them. Stephen O'Donnell, remember Stephen O'Donnell? Mm. Amazing at cleaning boots. All the, all the first team wanted him because he would buff them and that. I would literally scrape off the mud and, and <laughs> go, is that all right? So <laughs> things like that. No, get them sparkling or soften them up or Vaseline them and ah. Oh, it's <laughs> pressure to make these people happy. There was, uh, I, I listened, I, I, I think I was, I can't remember where I was going, I was going somewhere for work the other week and I put on uh, the Johnny Russell interview that we had on because it was quite funny as well and he tells some good stories but when he was on about the team kit he got made to clean the balls including the stitching and they were like, nah, it's no done, nah, it's no done, it's no done but he's, same as you, he just said it just made him and uh, like I hate this, but he felt better for it. Did the right. light, if you get what I mean? So, uh, can you imagine how frustrated you are though when you think you've you've cleaned the balls? And quite often you were standing outside the tunnel in Paradise with a tap that tap up was there, freezing man, freezing your hands off, and somebody's telling you that's not clean enough. And sometimes you think, what's this got to do with football? But when you get older, you realise it's, it's shaping the personality. Oh, so, for sure. Uh, it's, a shame, it's a shame they don't do it now. I know, I know. Um, obviously, it was about 18 months before you broke into the first team, but you made your United debut. Alex Smith gave you it. Um, two of our podcast pals, Hasnell Joffrey and Charlie Miller, both scored. Um, do you remember much about the day coming on as a sub that day? Yeah. Uh, Boris Mechanics. That's it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know what's funny? It's it's twenty year ago. Um, I was funny enough just chatting about it because Scottish Cup weekend, and I'd been in a few. Uh, just passed, and it was early rounds, so obviously the Scottish Cup. And um, I, I so I'd been in the squad. I'd been in around the first team squad for a wee bit, and I thought I'm getting close here, and I thought that was a perfect opportunity. I think I only got like seven or eight minutes, but. Oh, is he just, he just being involved in the first team coming on when there's a real crowd? I used to love playing the reserve games at Tanadice when there was an actual crowd in. We used to get quite a decent crowd in. That's uh, sat in the stand. And I loved those Monday night games, but then getting that involvement, just butterflies, just excitement. And uh, you never know what it's going to lead. You know, it's you never know if that's going to be your one and only or you'll be a sub um, every now and then. Um, Two weeks later, though. Well, another, I, wee, another wee game. Well, I, that that was a big shock. I, I've got to say again, 
training away, none the wiser, involving the first team. At that time, I'm putting the goals up as well. For you know, I'm putting the goals up for the first team and getting the kit ready, but then going and joining the first team to train and then cleaning up after them. And anyway, it comes to Friday, the, the derby game. You're just honestly, you're just buzzing to be on that sheet of paper that goes up and your name's at the bottom, one of the, the young players. And I was so excited, brilliant. But I was mopping the corridor. I always remember mopping the corridor just outside the tunnel, actually. And Mo comes up and uh, he says, well, get yourself up the road. You're in the squad tomorrow. And I say, I'll just finish this. No, no, get yourself up the road. I didn't click. I just thought it was, it's been nice. So I was, again, buzzing to get away. I was saying to all the boys, get, get up, you. I'm out of here. Enjoy <laughs> Motless Corridor. <laughs> big, big time. Uh, I went up the road and I used to just have normal Friday night. Uh, that time my diet wasn't great. So bag of sweeties and, you know, sit and play uh, Xbox or whatever it was with Danny. And then the, the team get named at the, the Woodlands Hotel. We used to have pre match and I was named in the starting lineup. No warning, nothing. So that's what tours. Tours before kickoff or something like that, and it was it was amazing, you know, just amazing feeling, nerves, um, because I was I was named the midfield. I think maybe Davey Hanna had missed it, or he was left it for me. So it was a big uh, it was a big call for Alex Smith. Just showed you the faith I had in the younger players at that time. Yeah, and man of the match, yeah, it's all right. Uh, not bad for a first I mean, time. Uh. I think, uh, listen, I think the sponsors were being generous. <laughs> they just gave it to me because I was young and I was in there and we won. But uh, I'll take it. I never, I never won that many in my career. So that <laughs> one's always good to <laughs> look back in. And uh, yeah, like I say, you mentioned Davey Hanna, but other players on the side at that time, you know, you've got uh, Jim McIntyre, Jim Hama, and uh, Craig Easton, and Charlie Miller. Uh, I mean, what a team, honestly, what a team we had. I had some of the best days of my career uh, in that dressing room. The guys in particular that you mentioned, um, you know, Easty, uh, loved Easty, you know, growing up. I think all the young players aspired to be him, just the way he held himself and at these fitness levels and how he was a guy. He was, he was just incredible. Um, Jim McIntyre, still keep in touch with Marker. He was, he's, his nickname was the coach because... He just try to coach everybody at Everton. He, 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 you know, he started playing golf and he was he was shit at the start of golf, but the older ones used to laugh because he was trying to coach them at golf. He was trying <laughs> to coach guys how to, you know, he would coach me how to cross the ball. He would coach Charlie how to play in midfield and <laughs> the coach. But he was a great guy. And uh, I just, I looked up to him kind of like a father figure. And then Charlie, um, you know, really took to Charlie when he came in. He was just, again, somebody that everybody looked up to. He was just magic. What a player. Um, and what a guy you have in the dressing room. So lucky you have all that experience around about me. Aye, good on a night out as well, eh? Tell us. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, Charlie, Charlie at that time, I, 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 I used to live um, in Brody Ferry, so did Charlie. But it was my first house. So I moved at the digs. I got a house just at Panmuir Village. Mm. Um, nice wee house for your first house. And Charlie bought in the, the Charlie was in the estate next to me. The big the big Cala houses. But his window was like I used to I got a dog, so I would walk the dog and he had a path ran a path ran alongside Charlie's house and his window was there and you know, every Sunday morning or, or Sunday afternoon should I say I'm I'm walking the dog to stretch half the legs and Charlie's sitting there with a can. Kind of stare, <laughs> waving at the window, leaning at the window. He's watching the the football, and I thought, ah, oh. I mean, that guy's 
that guy's a hero. And he was brilliant because the thing was, he was, uh, he could do that. He, he would turn up in training, be the best player by yeah. far. And uh, he's going to get near him. Um, just the way he played the game was was incredible. And the way he treated the younger kids as well was was brilliant. But on a night out, it's fair to say he liked he liked a few. So did all that dressing room at that time. I mean, yet Stephen Thompson and you know all the boys who were who were well into the social life in Dundee. To be fair, he, Charlie did allude to that that they were it was a big culture at the time. Like it was a big going yeah. out. I mean, I, I mean, I mentioned that so many times. You'd see them in tallies on a Tuesday tallies. night because we're off on a Wednesday, Tuesday. and then he turned right. up. Training on a Thursday like nothing's happened. It's That's just... that. I mean, he was uh, he was incredible. That group. I mean, Davy Hanna again was in there. Um, I done it tally. So I was I was a young boy. I didn't start drinking till I was about I don't know 26, 25, 26 or something. So I never touched anything to then. So I would go along to tallies. So a young boy, all these experienced pros sitting there having an unbelievable time. Sometimes a pub quiz on. Right. Good few jars on the Tuesday night. Uh, I'd be sitting there with my with my Sprite or my J2O and then didn't Mar- uh, didn't the Mardi I mean they were that lazy sometimes they would get a taxi in the Mardi for Italians. it's literally <laughs> it's like 200 yards up the road and uh, I always remember sharing a taxi down there with Davy Hanna and uh, I, I remember saying I'm never getting in here right uh, that's true I'm never getting in because I was I was uh, I was 17 I'm never getting in we look quite young and Davy took off his watch and she says, wear that, wear that wee man. And uh, that'll get you in. That'll get you in. That's platinum. That'll just show the bounce of that. <laughs> so I actually put this thing on thinking, if I get asked for ID, I'm going to show him the watch, of course. Because it was very guys. He didn't ask me, but I was well fed to show him this platinum watch as my ID. But great guys. That, that was the culture. You know, they loved their drink, but they looked after the young boys as well. Aye, aye. Yeah, what, what was it like when he come in? Charlie because he just seemed he was a player he was obviously desperate to go back up the road he wasn't having a great time at Watford but and he come in a, I mean I know you weren't playing at that time but he come in a really shite team like we were really struggling aye, struggling but aye, aye. just well he just lifted the dress room and he, not just he, with his ability everybody knew about his ability and where his career had taken him uh, and what he could do um, when he was in shape and when he was really at it but so we, we understood as soon as he got on the pitch he was fine but the dressing room like you say really shit team going through a poor time um, just a bad air about the club at that time and he came in just behind the dressing room right away without really doing anything just his part um, just a different voice from mm. what was there before a lot of kind of what a bickering and a lot of uh, everybody out for themselves at that time and I thought Charlie came in and um, at that time, I was dipping in the first team dressing room. You know, I was I was still in the away dressing room, so I would come in just to hear some of the part. But then the, the characters that were brought in, run a bit Charlie, they just played off each other, and within a short space of time, the the dressing room went through quite a dark kind of hostile place that you wondered where it was going to. To this group that went out together, drunk together. Um, and like to play, uh, you know, training became much better. The spirit lifted, and he made such a difference to the club. And uh, it would have been great to have got him a few years previous. You know, who knows what he would have done for United then? Oh, it'd been incredible. But like you say, he played that day when you made your uh, full team debut. But then that was the last time you played that season. Is that the first time you done your knee? No, I'd done my knee before then. Right. Um, right. So I had problems with my knee, but I was. 
uh, I was leading up to that and struggling. That young age, you're you're never quite sure what's going on. I think I had a wee tidy up, and then I done I, after that game, pain the next day, and I thought, nah, something's not right. So I think we had a game against maybe St Johnson midweek. Was it St Johnson midweek? You had, I'm pretty sure we had a midweek game, and I, I said to the manager, look, I'm a wee bit struggling, and again, Alex was brilliant. You know, just take your time, don't rush it. And of course, I'm desperate. Maybe I can play, but I wouldn't be a hundred percent. Anyway, we went away and got it checked out, and. I needed I needed some more work done that and that was the that was just the start uh, um, of my problems. Uh, to be fair to the surgeon at that time, I've got to say a guy called uh, Doctor Fubistern uh, in the hospital in Dundee says, "Look, you've you've got a problem here. You've got a real issue with, with your knee, and you're going to have problems later on in your career with us, mm. and it, you'll have to manage it as best you can." So it was a, a big blow coming off the back of that high. Uh, Dundee Derby playing against the great players with all the good guys in our team and you think right that's my big chance and then it was it was a huge setback if I'm honest mm, yeah yeah it's not a good one at all um, what was an Alex Smith pre-season like was it was he oh, easy geez, hard will, old school aye aye well I, I often I often wonder how much Alex got involved in in the pre-season you know because he had had so many people in his coaching staff that were old school as well that I got the impression that he left it to them and it was just I mean United United pre-seasons were were that honestly the hardest time in my career I can only mirror that to the, the first pre-season I did with Gordon Strachan at Celtic where he was trying to stamp his authority I thought Gordon at that point with the younger ones and get a fit squad and, and mentally tune you into basically running you just can't do you know, and it's all about who quits. United set me up ideally for that because Hamburger Hill, I mean, you would have heard stories of Hamburger Hill. Yep. I mean, the shittest times in my life at Hamburger <laughs> Hill. Just, just rubbish, just the barbaric. Um, Maniki, you know, Maniki mm-hmm. um, getting taken there. And, and, and the thing is with Maniki, they can't even dress up like you're going for a football session. You know, when they say Maniki, there's no football pitches there, so you know what you're going there for. You know, hamburger's different. Aye, hamburger's different because sometimes they took you to hamburger and you trained where the ice rink is. That was the training ground. It was it was beautiful. It was pristine. And sometimes you do a wee training session and they go, you've got to Hamburger Hill and you go, oh, we didn't see that coming. But with Maniki, it was just, here it comes. We know what we're doing. Um, <laughs> so Dawson Park, first pre-season. Was at Dawson Park? First day pre-season. And I didn't know what to expect. Sixteen-year-old, um, I, I always remember it was I'm sure 26 of June, and I didn't know what to expect. And Morris uh, took us to Dawson Park, and he gave us eight five-minute runs in the morning at an incredible pace. Eight, and I thought at lunch that I can't get much harder than this. And he says <laughs> we're back out in the afternoon, and I said, well, we must be doing some sort of football in the afternoon. And three ten-minute runs, run Dawson again in the afternoon, and I was thinking, Jesus Christ, that's kind of be what it's like. Didn't see a ball for ten days. Mm. I thought, what's what's going on here? Yeah. And uh, but that was it. It just just moulded you. Um, so I had many years of that at United. Yeah. Um, they liked her running, but 
Again, that was a bit toughening you up. Uh, we've had some good and bad stories mm. about Hamburger Hill. I mean, Sean Dillard, uh, it was a breeze for him, but the big, big, uh, street, big, big, street, big Lee Wilkie is telling me, oh, it was tough, like, and the young boys are, <laughs> young boys are tacking, sneaking corners, and you're, like, if they got caught, you had to run again, and it just didn't sound too fun. And Big Kenza, he didn't he wasn't, he's oh, not a runner, is he? Big Kenza hated that. <laughs> he hated that. He's, he's not he wasn't any good at that. I remember a story I don't know if anybody's told you when Scott McDonald came in trial at Dundee United before he went to no. Motherwell. And uh, well, Scotty came and he was this, uh, he'll not mind me saying now because he's in great shape, but he was this wee chubby Australian um, who, who was trying to get a contract. And uh, I think one of his first days he was taken to Hamburger Hill as a group run. And <laughs> he, he it was like miles behind about <laughs> 10 minutes in and anyway the boys finish and uh, he's nowhere to be seen where's Scott where is he? this young Australian comes running in way at the end apparently he said, he said to boys he had to stop and do the toilet in the bushes that's why he was so far <laughs> had to stop for a shit I don't believe that he was obviously that far behind but he said he had to stop he had stomach cramps and uh, needless to say he, he ended up at Motherwell he didn't he didn't uh, come to us uh, <laughs> oh, I can't believe he was at Southampton at that point wasn't he or he had just yeah, been to Southampton he may have been I remember I remember that I don't remember that story but I can remember that we had him on on some sort of trial <laughs> And he just, Aye, it just never worked out for him. Didn't work, uh, but what a career he had it. Oh, uh, he made it, yeah. He, he finally, done all right for, after shitting in the bushes, that's for sure. <laughs> he finally <laughs> got to play for a while. Too many so. hamburgers on that hill. <laughs> wow. um, that was his problem. I, I tell you one player, I, I'm not sure we've actually spoke to many people about this. Maybe Charlie, I mentioned that, I can't mind. One boy that joined that summer, Arnold Gunlogson, who was oh. rumoured on about eight grand a week, apparently. I mean, he wasn't up to much either, was he? <laughs> He's a madman, Sens- no? He, he was a madman. Well, a quiet madman. Sensational in training. Absolutely sensational in training. You wouldn't believe how good this guy was. And uh, played, uh, I've played with loads of them in my career, but he was, he's one of the ones that just didn't click with me. How he could be so good in training and then just uh, didn't work for him on the pitch. But he was he was a lovely, again, a lovely guy. Um a good way about him had that mad streak which was always it was always good it was always funny always good being young because you knew he was never going to take it out you some of the older guys might have got it so it, you, I was always in the background just just kind of waiting for something to kick off but yeah. um, it was brilliant yeah. but I wish it would worked out because when you see players like that coming and I'm a young boy along with Charlie I thought this is somebody that can help Charlie out, um, carry the can a wee bit but it wasn't it be from It wasn't it be at all. You speak about mad men with a few more to get to later on, don't worry. <laughs> Especially in that second spell. Um <laughs> is Eddie Thompson obviously bought the club around about sort of this in that season. When something like that happens, does anything change for the players? Um I guess there's a there's a fear I think there's always a fear when there's a change over at a club that you don't actually know what's going to happen. You don't know if the guy who's buying it fits in with who's who's just sold it. If everything will be the same, if they've sweetened ideas, but it's not much you can do. So you don't waste too much of your time worrying on it. I mean, the the, the thing was for me back then, and a lot of the younger players back then was just surviving really year to year on your contract. So you think a new guy comes in. Of course, the chairman, uh, Jim McLean, like me, I'm thinking, okay, as soon as he's away, I'm thinking, oh, right, maybe there's a big change here. Um, 
probably for the older players it might have been more of an issue than younger players mm. but what, what um, Eddie Thompson done for the club was remarkable the way again he embraced um, it and, and what he gave to it I think he was think building was something good at the time but we, we know the way football is it's it's so harsh it's worse now than it was then you know in terms of cutthroat but uh, it gave young, uh, youth a chance I, I always believe United are about that and, and that's why I'm so glad to see where they're just now you know really giving youth a chance and Alex was certainly he bought into that he knew what the club was about and I just thought God you know just give him give him more time but football's a business and United couldn't afford to, to go down that was the big risk yeah I always remember them were, the, pl- <laughs> were the players affected then were we all the, the goings on and trying to get McCall into the building and then obviously we ended up uh, going with Heggy for a few games yeah again that's always difficult because I always feel sorry for the guys putting an intern charge who, who doesn't quite know and Heggy was Heggy was so well respected by the players that that, group, that coaching group although the players underachieved us as a group underachieved there's no doubt about it that they everybody loved that that group the greatest respect for first and foremost Alex Smith um, but then when you look under him and, and his staff under him it, it just again legends of the game that everybody got on me um, and, and when Heggy was put in charge I think some people were rooting for him to get the job, if I'm honest, it's just because they, they had that rapport with him. So he was a bit in limbo. And that, I think, always affects a dressing room. If the, if the manager and the coaching team's in limbo, it, mm. it quickly trickles down into the dressing room. So again, I was young at the time, but you can still feed off the older players. And, and that's the sense that you were get, getting at that time that was that was uncertainty. People are, are worried about their futures. Yeah, Um Paul, obviously Mark will probably know know this, but what is your tribute to Paul Hegarty? Uh, well, myself and Ronnie spoke to him a few a few short months ago, and uh, in honour of that, I thought I better tidy up my house a wee bit, a better lay a new carpet for Heggy showing up. So the the Hegarty pile is currently in my house, uh, but Hegarty, he just he kind of mocked us for it when I tell him I was a happy, I was a proud. I thought he's going to really like this. This is my icebreaker. This is my icebreaker. <laughs> All right, Paul, I've got this carpet laid for you. We're going to call the Hegarty pile. And he said, that's pretty sad, Paul. <laughs> Jesus. I, I expect uh, nothing more from Hegarty on that front. You are, you are mental. You got my new carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a minute. It took Paul Hegarty to come to your house for you to get a new carpet. Correct. <laughs> it, was, it was a new, newish house. Newish house. So I, 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 it Did all you buy a house lined up. Did you? Did you buy the house first? No, 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 no. I'm saving that for Davy Neri. I've got a new house for Davy Neri. <laughs> that is respect, Paul. I like that. He's, um, <laughs> but, I mean, Paul, like I would say, he's one of life's good guys, isn't he? He's just superb. And he was, let's say, brilliant. And, there's, and for all these guys that you've mentioned, all the kind of the legends, they're so down to earth. Like, playing in the new camp means nothing to them. One in the league's like, meh, I was working. It was my job. It's crazy. Unbelievable. <laughs> I know, I know. It's crazy. And us as the youngsters coming through, would would ask sometimes about them or would have a bit of banter about it. But you're right, it's just it's never talked about it. Which yeah. was remarkable, you know, the success that that group had. And uh, they were just so down to earth. Um, but the way they, they shape, they try to shape young players and and uh, not just as footballers, but as men, I guess, was what really impressed me. And I, I took a lot from, you know, especially Hagen Mo. Um, 
you know, think about them a lot and how they shaped shaped my career. I was lucky to work with them. Aye. Yeah, they were the two tremendous guys, for, especially for the club. Um, he obviously left. Ian McCall was finally appointed. I'm led to believe he didn't quite make a good impression on you in his first day. No, <laughs> no. I, I mean, it turned out fine uh, in the end and I've got great respect for Ian, but he came in and at that time me and Stephen O'Donnell had broke into the team under Alex Smith and Alex liked us and he liked what we were doing. Um, there was a wee bit of press in the local area about me and Stephen. I think I think uh, Odd scored a hat-trick. He scored a hat-trick in the League Cup game maybe, something along those lines. He did. So he was, he was kind of up there and I was just kind of Flirting in the team, but Ian came in and he made it quite clear that he didn't think we were we were good enough at that time. Now again, in hindsight and looking back, he was maybe just getting us a wee kick up the arse and saying his you aren't as good as you believe you are, or people are making it you are. And he left us out of the team, and of course, take the huff. You think this is this is shit. This you know my time here's up. You automatically think your time's up since a manager leaves you, but you know it's only when you become a manager you think, well, oh, it's every right, it's his job to to try and change a team. So he left us out, and uh, just by luck, I think maybe the first or second game, or I can't quite remember, but I think it was McCracken, David McCracken, get injured, or one of the back three get injured, and I had to come on and and play. I think the centre one of that back three, and I kinda found myself back in the, the team by luck and then I get kind of shifted a bit and ended up at right back and got to say I loved I loved playing under Ian McCall the way he played the way he kind of created a role a kind of different role for me played a narrow midfield on the right with a winger on the left and uh, Barry Robson and, and just allowed me to bomb up and down so what didn't start well turned out to be a, an enjoyable spell for me Yeah because it was amazing because if, if people do remember you know Alex Smith played just like a sitting midfielder, didn't he? That's kind of yeah, how you were yeah. playing. I, he did. So I, I love playing midfield. I always saw myself as a midfielder. I played centre. I flirted between there and centre of back three all through my kind of schoolboy's career and for Scotland. And then, but midfield, I always thought I was a midfielder. I broke into teams of midfielder. Alex Smith always thought I was a midfielder. Uh, when I moved on to Celtic, I remember we were playing, uh, we were playing Falkirk maybe and uh, Alex Smith met me in the tunnel and I grabbed Gordon Strachan and says this this lad this lad's a midfielder that's his best position he's telling he's telling Gordon that and I'm thinking I'm, I don't think I'm going to get in ahead of Roy Keane and Stan Petrov but <laughs> thanks thanks Alex for your support but I loved it so I don't know if it was just through I don't know pure luck maybe that the team at that time were maybe struggling that position I think Danny Griffin had he moved? He had moved on by that time. I, th- I think he'd moved on at that time. Well, he thought he and, was uh, injured. One of the two. He was the only man. He was. I, uh, was. And by the way, he could ping a ball, Griff. Oh, yeah. what what a right foot! What a free kick taker! Mm-hmm. Great guy as well. And uh, just unlucky. Anyway, I got shifted there at right back and ended up staying there. Uh, and um, there must be plenty of stories. Of Ian McCall losing the rack. He always seemed to be a bit, uh, a bit like that on the touchline when you seen him. I, I well at that time he was he was uh, he was fairly lively when he came in. Totally different character from what was before. So I mean Moan Heggy could lose it, really lose it as well. And Alex Smith was like, more softly spoken, I guess, but could lose it. But Ian McCall was just different. You know, a young manager who had to prove himself and he a very good manager at that 
and with a lot of experience in that dressing room. So he had to stamp his authority. I, I remember, I, I do remember one time I'm coming in and Aberdeen, maybe when Aberdeen at home, we're getting beat. We're getting beat 2 0. You might be able to re- refresh my memory on this, but it was a long time anyway. He went absolutely nuts in the treatment tables there with all the all the the teas and the juice and that, and he, he flipped the thing and he's going absolutely fucking mental. Mental. And I'd never really seen it like that. You know, it was a proper what I'd imagine Alex Ferguson was or Jim McLean back in the day. And I'm sitting there going, geez. But anyway, we the, the sorry, we've been out and won. So it had an effect on us as a <laughs> as a team. And uh a great motivator um, at that time and um, again he, he, he had some good spells but maybe should have got better you know from the team that he assembled There's some great individuals on that side yeah and uh, Charlie tells us about him uh, he was he took Charlie out to speak to him about signing a new contract in the ferry they ended up pushed eating kebabs at two in the morning mm-hmm. And I just thought, what a boss! What a boss! Mine's still not done that yet. But anyway, I, you know what? That doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise. I mean, you imagine Charlie. I mean, what a place Dundee was at that time. You had Charlie Miller and Ian McCall, and then across the street, you had all the the Dundee mob that were coming in. And I mean, Fat Sam's and the Marty were oh. The, I don't know what they're missing nowadays. <laughs> there was no Dundonian accents. And no, plenty of Italian and Glaswegian. I just remember Charlie Miller telling me that, and he was laughing as well, but you were just thinking, I could totally see that happening. I could totally see that happening. <laughs> oh, no, no, was that? That's what I said. I mean, at that time, the, the, the drink culture was there, and Ian was, Ian was youngish at that time, and he was very, uh, very pals. How do you put it? I was... It was pals with the, the, the players. There wasn't that much an age gap with the kind of older group mm-hmm. and him. So that was his way of managing them, getting them on side. And you had Gordon Chisholm as his number two, was the kind of the, the real kind of headmaster character, straight man who would who would take a lot of the training and you know give you the running and that. But Ian McCall was very, you know, very friendly with the group. Although when you got the wrong side, them, mm-hmm. you know, he was. Is it true when you see when you were on about like he, he tell you you weren't good enough? Did he mention a player he was bringing in to take your place? Oh, yeah, I quite often. Mark Kerr, he, he, he said so. Mark Kerr was at Falkirk, and mean Kerr's all mean Kerr's are great mates. Um, but I didn't know Mark Kerr at the time. Well, I knew Mark Kerr because if you remember. His Falkirk team had beat Hearts in the cup, calling Samuel hat trick yeah, eye, yeah. and uh, Kerzo was outstanding that game. Uh, so that was the only time he was brought to my attention. But you know, McCall just said uh, to 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 me and Odd at the time, Stephen McDonald at the time, there's a fucking there's a midfielder I'm bringing in, and oh, never forget us. Yous will not be able to lace his boots. Yous cannot even touch him and lace his boots. I'm thinking that's that's. Fucking motivation you need there to, 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 to want to play. So I'm, I'm saying to you, mate, your time here's done. We, we we can't even lace this guy's boots. And Kerzo came, and uh, fuck, he was just an outstanding guy, and uh, you know, remain good friends with him mm. to this day. Um, unbelievably fit, brilliant player, and again, I don't I don't know if United seen the best of him. That that was a thing. Um, He's always remembered for that for the one pass to Chris Boyd that. Shouldn't I went to Chris Boyd in the cup final? Uh, well, 
you know, and that's he was yeah, excellent. He, he was excellent at Dice, I think. But obviously, as Ronnie said, that's what most fans remember him for that one pass bar, and that is it's unfortunate. Let's it's, be honest, it's really unfortunate. It's funny how you that. get. Uh, it's funny how you get things stuck with you about that. But it's even for Kerzo in that dressing room. So Kerzo is a youngish player. He he integrated brilliantly with older players, older group. Had a very old head uh, on his shoulders, and uh, mm. again, that was brilliant for for the dressing room. So he was he was an integral part of that as well. Mm. Um, but what a guy! And uh, I, I suppose Ian McCall was right. I couldn't lace his boots in the <laughs> midfield because so, I got I got shoved to right back. <laughs> um, did you have any guilt or involvement in Ian McCall getting sacked? Aye, aye, aye. You, <laughs> Ronnie, you must have done your research. <laughs> on this do you want to tell what? thanks for bringing that up no look uh, you know Ian gave me so many responsibilities on the team grateful to him for that because he made me he made me say peace taker for corners um, free kicks and he, he he gave me the responsibility to take penalties a young right back and it's not that it's not that often you hear that and quite often when you get put in that responsibility that's what heightens your profile if you like you know, you score a few free kicks, people start sitting up and taking notice, or you a couple of assists for a corner, people are, oh, he's got a great delivery. You know, really, it's just somebody, you're on the corners and somebody heads it in. And then the penalties, you score a few, he must be good at penalties. Wasn't particularly good at penalties, if I'm honest, but he must have thought I had the temperament to deal with the, the pressure. So I scored a few, and um, we go to Rugby Park, um, we get a penalty. And I just, at that time, I had this thing, I always put it at the same place. I always went to the goalie's left, my right-hand side. And that was a poor penalty. So close to the keeper, who'd obviously done his homework. Again, at that time, naive. I, I didn't know much about analysis, but obviously that goalie was studying me three weeks before. And he's just literally <laughs> failed and saved it. And of course, it's a poor result. And uh, Ian lost his job after that. And, I, I, you know, all joking aside... Still, things like that still stick me because imagine that goes in, we get a good result. I don't know, Ian in terms of corner with United and he has a brilliant season and who knows what happens. So it's a kind of sliding doors moment. And mm. well, I, I, I did go home or, or in the month after that, you know, you, you carry the can a wee bit. Anyway, I was part, never mind the penalty, I was part of that full squad that was, that was producing poor results for the manager. So you always feel a responsibility. Yeah, and uh, Gordon Chisholm obviously replaced uh, Ian McCall. Is that, was that an easy transition? I mean, you're saying he was doing a lot of the training anyway, but he, to, he's got his chance to be his own man, I suppose. I pretty, pretty much so. Um, brought Dodgy on, who Dodgy was always, he was on the coaching team anyway, really, so pretty easy. Um, he, he knew, you know, he knew all the players, he knew the strengths, he knew the weaknesses, but he had his own ideas, how to play, be better defensively, uh, of course, rather than a wee bit gung-ho that we were, um, tightened things up a bit. And, you know, he had success. Um, but it was easy enough for the player. So I, I don't know what's the best thing. It, sometimes if that is better for the club or or just clearing everybody out and getting a new man in. Mm. I've mixed, mixed feelings even now on that. I have mixed feelings because sometimes the players have that good a report with, with people at the club. It's a shame to lose it. Um, but of course, we end up going to the, the, the Scottish Cup final and, and things with Chiz, which was an amazing time to be at the club. 
Yeah. Paul, do you want to mention 2005? 2005, yeah. The uh, And I cover my eyes. The UEFA Cup, the second qualifying round against uh, MIPA or MUPA, however you pronounce it, the two-all game at Tanadice. That is one of my lowest points supporting United. I mean, there's been cup final defeats, obviously. They hurt. But the, I just, I can remember standing at that game and we took a 2-0 lead. I think we drew yeah. the first leg, nothing's up. We took a 2-0 yeah. lead early on. And like I can remember it being at the game with my, my brother and turning him to him and saying about the boy Adriano up front yeah. and joking, saying, He's the worst Brazilian football player I've ever seen, and I, <laughs> I, and I think I think I was accurate. And then obviously the, he goes and scores a couple uh, of goals. I'm sure he scored both goals, but he definitely scored the second goal. And yeah. uh, oh, I I just remember walking him that night incredibly slow. I think I kicked every chucky between Tanadice and my house. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't I couldn't believe that we'd albeit we'd never lost, but we got knocked out, and I couldn't believe we got knocked out for that team. I was, uh, you're right, I was unbelievable, honestly unforgivable really, how we, we managed that leg. I just showed you the inexperience of that team on the European stage. I remember being involved in a game and when you go two up, I'd never played in anything like that before. Mm-hmm. So, you don't, of course, looking back on that now, you think, well, maybe, you know, be more conservative. You've won the tie, really, you know, just make it difficult. But I remember just thinking, just a normal game, getting a third goal. Yeah. God, yeah. European football is so cruel. That was one of the biggest learning curves for me going forward in my career, how to manage games and, and understand the actual what's going on in the game um, and in and, and, and terms of a full picture rather than just, I will just go at it again and again and again. And of course, I was so suffered badly for that you know just that lack of concentration you lose the, the one goal mm-hmm. and away goals at that time man, are, are, are so crucial that before you know it everybody's a bag of nerves and the game just swung right away and when you've got inexperienced players at that level you'll get punished you know even no, if they've got shit Brazilians <laughs> it was a seek now I, I don't blame you though I still I still hold a grudge against Paul Ritchie for throwing his hand up trying to play the boy offside when he was <laughs> when he was the boy playing on him onside I blame uh, Rich I blame uh, so he's, he gets the blame in my mind anyway it's <laughs> unbelievable um, a couple of real tedious links here and I'm only mentioning this because it involves Gordon Chisholm uh, is there any stories involving a Gordon Chisholm teen talk and Andy McLaren <laughs> ah, Andy I mean what a guy love Andy <laughs> we just used to love his banner all the time and uh, ah, Chiz just Chiz just can handle him like I said before you know great guy but straight straight as a calm big headmaster kind of thing everybody respecting him and come in read the team but <laughs> he comes in and reads the team and Andy's to read the team or give the squad or whatever it was and Andy's bollock naked in the middle of the treatment table singing Mysterious Girl by Peter Andre Big <laughs> Chiz just you know that way it's so awkward <laughs> he didn't know where to look or what to do and of course we are ending ourselves laughing and he just I think he just gave up I'll be back in five minutes and, and <laughs> uh, I, I know but that was Andy bollock naked for no reason remember Andy is an adult at this time you know with, with kids and stuff and he's uh, he's got his own fucking balls it that was great Andy was our um, he was our first ever ex-player guest uh, oh was he that's a good two and a bit years ago and 
just the the stories he could tell is just incredible. I mean, he kept he didn't tell that in, but I found that in, so that's fine. That's, <laughs> that's, I don't, that's, that's a belter. I mean, I, I still laugh. I still play six aside, Randy, just now um, every week. So occasionally we'll still have the laugh. Uh, <laughs> mysterious <laughs> girl, eh? Who'd have thought? A mysterious girl. What you this will ruin every time. Every time I hear it now, I think he has cock. <laughs> it's neither big nor clever I suppose is the next line. Um, anyway moving on for Andy McLaren's cock uh, tedious link time again you played one game for United alongside current United player Charlie Mulgrew Aye, now aye. we've christened them big sexy but anyway we'll move on for that could you tell he was going to go into bigger things then yeah, I, I will. I, I kind of knew Charlie through the, the youth setup anyway. He was a wee bit younger than me, but um, knew what he was like. Uh, knew what he was like as a character as well. Again, I'm still pals with him. Charlie, he lives no far from me, actually, just about 10 minutes away from me. So, uh, nah, just just a top player. You knew with that left foot, and you knew he was. You heard reports at Celtic when he was coming through the youth that he was. He had great attributes. He just had to piece it all together. I think he was just, you know, a bit inconsistent at times. But he's, I mean, I can't believe he's still going just now, still producing. I'm, I'm buzzing for him. I was buzzing when he came back to United because knew he'd be a success right away. No, 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 no. Go on, Paul. No, the floor's yours. Go on. <laughs> no, it's something uh, like myself. Obviously, myself and Ronnie put this out every week, uh, and. I never, I never say that at the time, but I was thinking about in certain group chats. I was just thinking, nah, like, and I wasn't disparaging of of Charlie Mulgrew at all. But I was thinking, nah, he's he's older, he's not played much the last few years, and I didn't know why. I didn't know if he was injured or what. I thought he's probably going to be on like a, a decent amount as well. United are going down the youth route just now. I was I was thinking, I kind of see, I kind of see a place for Charlie Mulgrew in this setup, and he's been he's been my best player. He's been brilliant, but again, I always go back to it. See the influence he has off the pitch. Mm. Just he's Massive. never heard anybody say a bad word about him for the young guys feeding off him. Honestly, what an experience for them. Kind of like what I'm saying about Charlie Miller and Dale McInnes and Alan Archibald and Maka and all that. All the guys I've learned off it. The young players will learn off Charlie every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. He's been an absolutely outstanding sign in this time. Right? He really has. Yeah, he and really he is, is gorgeous. And <laughs> he has. He does make your calendar better. Unbelievable. <laughs> just gets better with age. I mean. <laughs> I mean, no, I know. Um, it's it's uh, devastating. And obviously, around about, I think that game was was pretty much your last game. But how did your move then to Celtic come about? Well, in the summer, um, my contract was was coming up. I think the following year. So the club, you remember at the time, the club was struggling at that time, and a our flirting with administration. Times we were called into the office. This Ian McCall before Ian McCall went was was discussing administration with players and wage cuts, and we had to take uh, a hat and things. Anyway, my contract was coming up the phone year, and there was rumours of Celtic being interested. There was rumours of Wolves, and I think Everton, and a couple of other clubs. Um, but I, I had a loyalty to United, so I, I I never wanted to walk away from nothing. So we come up with it. They offered me a new contract, and the, the buyout clause was inserted in it that they would get five hundred thousand if somebody was interested. I thought that was a fair deal, so did United, and I went away. I went about you know playing away like nothing had happened, and um, maybe a three-year contract again, and 
six months into the season, around about Christmas time. Uh, my agent said to me, look, there's, there's serious interest for Celtic. I think they're, they're going to make a move. Playing away again. You never really think anything of it. Uh, I think again we were playing maybe St. Johnson at home. And I was in the team. I thought I was going to play. And I got told I wasn't playing. Um, the club had accepted the, the offer and they couldn't, they couldn't risk it. So I'll never, I'll never forget uh, going up to the stand and I, I took my seat and there was Gordon Strachan just two rows in front of me. And he, he saw me. I, I didn't even think he knew me. He just didn't even say anything. I honestly didn't think he knew me. Even when I did the sign for Celtic, I still think um, he was thinking, who have we signed here? But uh, <laughs> I, I, I basically got told not to play in that game. And that's that's the only time that's happened to me in my career. Mm. Purely because I've, I've um, I got injured, maybe something would have happened to deal. And then it went a bit pretty quickly. One day I was at Tarnadice. Next day I was told to report to to Celtic Park um, to go for my medical oh a wee bit surreal mid-January dark morning down in Glasgow and I'm thinking had so many good times at United of course Celtic were the club I supported it was Glasgow it was a big club it was a big opportunity but I still had a, a obviously I placed my heart for United so it was it was hard leaving it really was hard but um, I mean that's that's football United served me well and I hope Hope I served them as well, my time. Seeing seeing that time when you're going to sell it, had you had about six or seven operations on your knee by then as well? Like you ever worried that you could fail a medical, they could find something? Because if you were I mean you said you were struggling for the start and a surgeon said to you, This will hamper you the hell the whole time. And that's a massive move. Hi, hi, of course I so I had as you say, many operations in my knee. Um just you know, repairing meniscus or taking that way. Um so I obviously thought this is a real worry here. My dad was a nervous wreck. Um, he's, he's you're definitely failing this medical. <laughs> so cheers, um, dad. I'm a dad. So he's he's at the Celtic party. He must have smoked about three hundred and fifty cigarettes that day on the stairs of Celtic Park. And uh, we went for the medical first and foremost. Then we came back. Had to sit in a wee room at Celtic Park, just where the boardroom is, for hours when these results came back. Anyway, the doctor and the physio thought up wise that I was. I was past fit and um, went through pretty quick. And it was a big change over at the club at that time at United, of course, because when I left, uh, Craig Brewster had just come in. Yeah. may have been the same day. Same day. Run about the same day. Um, so the next day, um, or, or two days later, I think I, I think it might be the Monday I went to Celtic, the Tuesday I trained, Wednesday I went back up to United to see the boys. I met Craig Brewster for literally 15 seconds. He came in the dressing room and I was saying cheerio to the boys. How you doing? Pleased to meet you. Hope it goes well. And that was it. That was my only dealings with him. So, you know, past a few people, <laughs> I was like a revolving door at that time at Tanadice. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a little bit crazy to be fair. Here's a tedious link for another current United player. Would you have played much at Celtic with Tony Watt? Because you left before he scores his infamous goal against Barcelona, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, so I was there when Tony broke into the team. And, uh, Don't worry, Paul's got a story about Tony Water as well. We'll get to that. Don't tell me he doesn't like him either. Well, he, he had a view oh, this I season. I love him now. I love him now, I bet you. But Tony came in a young kid, uh, obviously fair, and just raw. I think he was, you know, he, he maybe thought he shouldn't be training sometimes with the first team and, and things like that. But you could see he was good enough. He, big striker pacey fearless 
so it's, it's time I didn't play a lot or have a lot of involvement with Tony probably in the training pitch aye, but not in the actual game time but he's been on he had a, have a tremendous career I think it's a great sign I, I really do for United um, just having a player making that that jump for your team where they are I, I know the league table can change but where Motherwell are um, it'll be a great addition yeah, Paul thinks he spends too much time on his arse, so that's that's kind of the just uh, <laughs> or or went doing too easy. I think might have been the phrase, but changed his tune. Changed his tune a couple of weeks ago. I mean, Tony watched oh, Army Army. He's got water in the shirt on the back of my top. Uh, that's it. Uh, see, that, this is the arse. What is that? Thirty-two. Thirty-two again. Thirty-two. What? Thirty-two in the back. Oh my! Be sorted. Get a photo Tony and Watching his film reviews and gaming reviews and all that nonsense. Let boys do what they want. Um, you obviously left Celtic. You went to Bristol City, but a year later you were you were back at Tannadice under Jackie McNamara. You come in just to train. Was it essentially just to get yourself fit and see what happens? I kind of like that. It was a wee bit of a strange time for me. So I was struggling a bit with my knee at that time. I think everybody kind of known that my knee was what well, that surgeon had said at the start. I was winding down if you like but I still thought I could do a job and maybe Jackie had said to me look come in and train with at St Andrews he obviously wanted to have a look to see if I was it you know worthwhile taking a wee a wee gamble on uh, I trained for a couple a couple of weeks and uh, got on fine uh, good group of players in there uh, good training base things had changed so much from when I left United the you weren't building the goals was, I wasn't even I had any goals to be built, which was brilliant. <laughs> uh, uh, we trained at like North End, we trained at Gardino, uh, Garden College, Dawson Park. Now we're trained at St Andrews and that's a beautiful facility. Um and 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 things went well for me at the start, showed well in the kind of and training, fitness levels were all right, uh, and and they offered me a kind of a temporary a temporary contract, a short term contract. Of a, I think it was something along the lines of I was involved in, I don't know, 11 or 12 games, then my contract would get extended. Something like that. Can't remember the number, but I was involved in a good few of them. So, um, contract got extended and had, again, had some good times with that squad. That that squad kind of <laughs> well, rejuvenated me a wee bit. We'll get to that. Talented bunch of that squad. They really yeah. were. Um, a Jackie McNamara pre-season were led to believe is a lot easier than some of the injury would have had. There's a lot of ball work quite early doors. I was, well, I, I didn't catch the first one, um, but the second one came around. Mm. The ball was out day one. It was brilliant. Um, you know, still your hard work in there, uh, mm. no doubt about it, but anything with a ball to disguise running is, uh, was all right with me at that time. And, uh, San Junes at uh, San Andrews? No, no, no we, we missed all that. We, we spent a lot of the time on the pitch. It was oh. great. You know, big, big wide pitches, small small teams, so it was all about pitch-related stuff and, you know, really a lot of your running was done with a ball, so quite modern stuff, but that was, that was, I had started to come in, so I'd seen it at Bristol as well. My, my last couple of years at Celtic, probably three years at Celtic, I was like that, the sports scientists were put in charge of pre-season, it wasn't the managers anymore, so it was, was, was your training actually tailored towards your, yourself then, Mark, just because of your, your issues with your knees? Did you maybe hit, uh, skip a couple of sessions or, or do anything different for the rest of the group? Aye, so that, that's what kind of affected me at the end of my career. So that, that kind of started uh, 
the the tail end of my career at Celtic where the surgeons were telling me, um, you know, I'd been to America and seen Stedman, the, the knee specialist and that, and they would told me, basically I can't train um, most days. I then got to a stage where they were telling me not to train at all and just playing the games. I still was the same. Um, and then by the time I got to United, you know, managers were always brilliant with me and saying, look, well, Taylor, whatever you need, if you can only train two days a week, fine, as long as you're fine for match. But see, as a player, it affects you that and you fall behind the group pretty quickly. Mm. You feel out there, you know, so I was going over, you'll notice St Andrew's setup. I was leaving the pavilion, walking over to the gym with Jeff, mm. the physio, and maybe a couple of the actual injured boys, long-term injured boys, while the other guys were going away and training on the pitch. And, I, you know, I was only a matter of time before what happened. And Jackie, like Jackie had his opinions of where he wanted his squad to go in terms of youth. And I was obviously probably not mobile enough with my knee. Every operation I got or every setback I got took a bit of pace, a bit of mobility out of me. And uh, you know that catches up with you and players just run by you. And that wasn't the way Jackie wanted his team to play. So I can respect that. Aye. Right, let's get into some players out of this team. Let's start Hi. with one that joined the summer. Nadir Chief G. Oh man, what a guy he was, eh? I mean, kind of how he played on the pitch was what he was like off the pitch. Just erratic. You didn't know what he was going to do. So you'd get him a lovely guy and then you'd put him on the training pitch and I've never seen a guy have so many fights or disagreements on a training pitch. <laughs> as this, as Nad. He was just constantly hit. Like booting, like proper. You know, you you see players in ill-tempered games, and the camera will pan back. You see him having a cheeky boot at a player, an opposition player. No, he used to do that in training. Poor <laughs> players. You know, him and Dill would be, you know, at it all the time, or him and Gav Gunning would be at it all the time. Man, it just it's so temperamental. It was unreal. And I'm, of course, one of the elder ones in the dressing room at that time. It's just no point speaking to him, you know. <laughs> I, I, I must say, in the, in the best possible way, because oh, I got on great with him. But I just thought, don't wind them up, don't don't speak to him, don't. I, from from what we've had, Mark, I don't think it took much to wind him up. Uh, I really uh, didn't. And everybody to a man has all said he's a great guy, aye, but he aye. just he just wants to fight the world. <laughs> uh, yes, I remember there was a bus journey up to Ross County or Inverness. Don't know if Dow that told you that. John Ragged tell for this. So I was I was sitting <laughs> in the middle and he's sitting behind me and uh, the younger team are sitting up the back or something like that. And no, it was and he was throwing things or something anyway, somebody was throwing things at it and anyway, hit somebody in the head and starts throwing the bus. <laughs> and I'm I'm turning around going what the fuck? What is going on here? And then, you know, just a brawl, and then it just settles in, and, and you think that, that's the guy who's got to win us the game tomorrow. He's throwing up the back. John Rank, John Rank, tell that story. He also read his rap sheet about him. Find me Andy, Andy Robertson, Marbella. Find me so and so at Sanders. Find me so and so in the dressing room. But he said, "I'd hear him in my team. I'd hear him in my team every week." And you're thinking, well. But see, at that time, at that time for United, I mean, he was a match winner and a team kind of full of well, potential match winners with Gold and Armstrong, Mackay, Stephen, and Robertson. He was the one that really produced, you know, as that focal point up front. So I think that's why Jackie gave him Jackie, Sid, and Darren gave him a bit of a longer leash than the rest yeah. of the guys. But you've got to, 
know, guys that can do that and win the games, you you got to get a wee bit of cut a bit of slack to, uh, but it was something else. I wonder what it would be like for St Johnson. I mean, I think I think given the chance he'll be all right, but you can't be brawling up the back of the bus still at this age. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think he can. I think he can. We've spoke. To, we've been lucky enough, like I said, to speak to a couple of your uh, teammates you played with at that time. How good was Ryan Gold? Oh, he was exceptional. So when I came in, it's funny the story, when I came in, Ranks, and I used to travel with John, Ranks, uh, Pates, and guys like that, say, well, wait to see this wee kid that's training with Ryan Gold. So I'm in, which one's it? The wee boy there. So anyway, my first day, my first day, we're doing 1v1s. Sure enough, the ball comes to Goldie. It's pinged it to Goldie. I'm it. Quick as a flash, experienced pro. Okay, I'm going to show this wee guy. He's not making me within about, honestly, within about seven seconds. Took me one and one, one and one. Took me one way, not making me the other. And I'm laughing. I thought, ah, right, okay, I, I see, I see what we're getting. Uh, the, even the definition on his legs, the way he moved, it was just, it was brilliant. And a brilliant kid that at taking things on. Him and Suter, um, just wanted to learn, you know, for the older ones and they were outstanding talents but Gold was the one that I thought would be the pick of the bunch I, I, I couldn't see anybody overtaking them yeah same absolutely <laughs> it's just exceptional yeah. because he delivered in the games as well he wasn't just a training player so yeah. in the games he delivered uh, of course and he was like for for such a small stature of him like he he wasn't shirking anything he was getting stuck into tackles and that's not really his strength he didn't really want him doing that but the amount of scouts that were coming to United games at that time, just just to watch Ryan Gold, yeah. you know, and I, I would I would get some mates that were that were Dundee fans coming up and saying, "Is this boy like the real deal?" Because you guys have hyped players. What do they care? What do they care? They, they, they didn't get any good players. But I was saying, look, <laughs> this, I said this guy's one of the best players I've ever seen at Tannadice for his age, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. And I, I'm stunned that he's not played for Scotland yet. I can't believe he's not got a cup. I'd, I'd agree with you. I'd agree with you. I mean, I was I was right. I was hard to. It's hard turning down that move where he went uh, to Portugal. So he was right to go. But I'm guessing maybe if he stayed another year or they maybe he chose a British club. Who knows how it would have turned out for him? Um, I'm sure, he's no bother now because he's he is where he is. But he was just exceptional, you know, an exceptional yeah. talent who was fearless and and could deliver. And it was a brave thing to do to go to go to Portugal at that yeah. age. So well, I was, just, yeah. I was just about to say that, Paul, because mind he tell well, he tell us that he got treated like a wee bit like shite out there as well when they chucked him on loan, they called him for loan, they chucked him on, and he's like, I'm like 19, 20. He's just a young lad. Yeah. And yeah. you're just thinking, well, I mean, he didn't get his bed to speak to us. He was lying in his bed, so I appreciate you down the chair the night. But well, he always struck me as the uh, he always struck me as a laid back character. Oh. So he did uh, unbelievable. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's so good. Um, ever going to fifty fifty with Callum Butcher? Big Butch, Butch, aye, Butch was still uh, Butch was raw back then as he is now. He doesn't hold back. But again, I, I, I hate when he gets painted as this villain um, and this absolutely hard man because you guys will know, speaking to him off the pitch, never meet a better guy. You know, just quite softly spoken. Um, you know, just had that interest in, in what you were doing and everything about you. Came across him when I was breaking managing and, and we played United and he was asking about breaking and thing, a real interest. Mm. So uh, I like Butch. I, I like 
I like the way he played the game. Um, but quite often you have one or bad, one or two bad tackles, and you get painted as this hatchet man. It's Depends what team you're playing against. I'll just say that. Depends yeah, what yeah. team Figalski you're playing against. By exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you're speaking about Ryan Gold sticking it through your legs. I'm assuming Gary McKay, Stephen would hear you knots now and again at training. Ah, uh, Gaz was Gaz was just like watching an entertainer. One in training, he always wanted to do tracks. I remember seeing him doing that trick uh, against St. Johnson um, before I came. And yeah, I thought, yeah. Jesus Christ, I think I'm going to soccer AM and everything. You're going, uh, wow, this kid's unbelievable. On showboat, yeah. aye. Um, uh, so in training, some of the skills um, he, he could produce. So uh, you can imagine me as an old fullback or an older fullback going there and, and having these kids running at me, Armstrong, Mackay, Stephen, Dow, Gold. They wonder if they turned out so confident <laughs> against me every week being Dow. Uh, we could keep up with them. Yeah. So... Uh, no, they're exceptional <laughs> talents, man. And and Mackay Stephen was just again, it, it just wasn't all tricks and flicks. He could actually have yeah. an end product. Um so brilliant, very quiet as well in the dressing room, very polite. He's all know that for probably speaking. We don't spoke to him. Um, and now, now that he's at now that he's at Hertz, no interest <laughs> for, for a couple of years at least then. Traitor, don't speak uh, to him. Johnny Russell <laughs> dug him in for stealing a KFC, so that was good enough for us. Um, <laughs> he stole a KFC, he also ended up in the Kelvin River, didn't he? So he about that. <laughs> Someone else, that eh? Um two 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 players in that team who they, they always get the praise but it's always buying those boys but the work John Rankin and Paul Payton had to put in in that midfield for those players oh, yeah yeah listen they were the they were the kind of glue that held it all together um, because they, the back four often changed chopped and changed me and Keith Watson Andy always stayed to left back but the centre halves were maybe changed but but ranks and pates were the main the mainstays and, and they just had to cover they, you know imagine they too had to cover the width of the pitch because guys Mackay Stephen would never come back Stu Armstrong was one of the laziest players in the history of football coming back <laughs> and uh, and Goldie well you didn't really want Goldie to come back because you always wanted him in the Navy box so ranks and pates had to do it all but they uh, they controlled all of them you know just vocally how they looked up to them and uh they they die. They never got the credit they deserved. Really, Pates, Pates in particular. I mean, what a passer of a ball Paul Payton was. You know, mm. not the most mobile or or didn't have much pace, but getting the ball and breaking things up and picking passes, brilliant. And Ranks was just ultimate professional. He still is. Aye. And yeah. the, the wee left back had come and done all right, didn't he? It was all right. Aye, what happened to him? Aye, aye. I wonder what he's done. Not too bad. Eh? <laughs> I, I mean, the funny thing is when when I came on trial and had played, uh, you know, with Celtic at left back a lot for Celtic at left back in Champions League games and all this and that. And I thought when I came right, okay, they've got a young left back. Um, Barry Douglas just left. Maybe yep. I think yep. Barry yep. Douglas yep. has just left. They've got a young left back for Queens Park. I must be getting brought in <laughs> to play left back and maybe they'll give him some games and I'll go in and be a mainstay and uh, well, that didn't work out did it? No it didn't work out <laughs> I didn't play one minute at left back in that team because uh, he just Andy just went I mean every yeah. game every game he just got better and better and better and you thought there must be a time he's going to slow down and there must be a, a wee kind of bump in the road here but he has a rocky patch but yeah, he didn't never, never was no never fearless was. as well fearless yeah yeah, he fearless, was fearless. But you'd probably say the same now. The way he plays just now. I, yeah, I, I yeah. just heard yesterday he's second and second and all time 
Premier League assists for a defender in England and you're going fucking hell you know what I mean he's, he's still getting better as he goes yeah he's a good player he's done awfully well for himself again obviously oh. it's different when you're maybe playing for Jurgen Klopp eh? I just wish he was shooting me now because we've seen him do it we can he could do it and he's yeah. always like looking for the ban or whatever and I'm just like the amount of times like we'd see a mother well when John Rankin was going mental because he shouldn't have been so far up when he put that's right, in. but are these you're thinking he would hit it for there and you're just hoping he would do it again but uh, I can't he didn't hit he didn't hit Mo Salah Bobby Firmino true, and yeah. Sadio, Sadio Mane you had Brian Graham to aim it so we'll move on uh, um, so he took a shot <laughs> <laughs> final player I need to bring up for this team we started with one cannon let's finish with another Gav Gunnan Oh, Gav Gunning. Have you spoken to him yet? No, wait, listen, no. we have spoken <laughs> to loads him. of people about him. Aye, maybe, what maybe a man. You, you'll not have the, enough hours in the day to get this film for Gav. Gav was, uh, I didn't know a lot about Gav when I came in, um, but just when I walk in the restroom, big loud Irish lad. <laughs> Every day, I'm the best player. I'm the best player in here. All yous are a whole load of shit. And uh, I can't believe I'm on the biggest contract. He would say it every day. And uh, he was just, uh, you know what the thing was? He was a brilliant player. He was a great player. Uh, he had plenty of pace. But again, injuries just robbed him his best performance at Tannadice, which was a shame. Then I went back to, I went back when I retired we, we Clyde Super Scoreboard to cover a game for United and I couldn't believe it it was a game member he picked the ball up oh we remember <laughs> well, I'm, I'm reporting with the cans on and they came to me and what's happening and I said yeah, I can't describe what's happening well you'll need to describe it what is it and I'm saying Gavin Gunning's just picked the ball up for no reason they're saying no 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 I summed him up he was he was a funny lad a real funny lad but I mean full on hard work but harmless harmless oh I mean the, the stories we got uh, Ken like uh, John Rankin was telling us that when Gavin Gunn and John Rankin and Sean Dillon were injured so they were on the bikes around St Andrews they had to stop every day Gav Gunn and going in for an ice cream every day <laughs> they had to stop it Johnny Russell dealt with he had to drop his bear off at nursery for him because he couldn't drive <laughs> Uh, and Paul Dixon uh, tell uh, uh, Christmas night uh, he downed a pint of his in pish <laughs> that's that's just that's just a day in the life of Gav if you had to ask him about that you wouldn't you wouldn't see anything wrong with that that's just <laughs> you so, uh, an island I, I mean occasionally you come across these characters in football dress rooms that are absolute psychopaths um, <laughs> and, and you wonder how they manage your outside life <laughs> I, I, I still think about Gav sometimes because I've got him on Instagram and just see some of the, the things that I think what is he up to now what, what is, he, is he still down his in pish <sighs> he just capped in his team in the <laughs> FA Cup against they played a pretty big team did they know is that, uh, I can't imagine they idea. played I'm, I'm, I want to say they played Chelsea That's all, and he, I'm sure he was the captain I want to put that out there if I've, not, if I've said that's complete bullshit, it wouldn't be the first you're one. Yeah, 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 that's it. Of it. Shit, but, Ronnie. I'm positive. You'll still, still think he was the best player on that pitch. Correct. Best player. If it was at Stamford Bridge, he'll be saying to Roman, I can't believe you're not signing me. <laughs> what a man. What a man. Uh, right, we have to mention them. Um, how good a day was the neutral semi final versus Rangers at Ibrox? Aye, aye, I mean that was one of my, my top memories of being at United both spells just because there's a real like, a real bitterness between the clubs at that time whole battles going off uh, 
you know, in the newspapers off the pitch. That neutral thing at Ibrox, geez, oh, what what a load of shit that was. But um, <laughs> you know what? I, I kind of that railed as that did rail us as a team. Jackie didn't have to do much of a team talk for that for mm-hmm. us to be up for that. But see, to be honest, we knew we had a brilliant team. You know, with real. If you look at that team now, you'd go, geez, all the players played together. Um, I was just doing it under the pressure. You wondered how the young boys would handle it under pressure. I'd played their loads um, from my time at United first time run and, and obviously in old firm games. So I knew the atmosphere, but that was as, that's as close to an old firm atmosphere that I'd ever encountered out with the fixture. Mm-hmm. Coming out and seeing that full stand with United fans and, and obviously the other three stands, Rangers, it was like, like kind of going out there and, and, and going into that kind of cauldron and we were brilliant that day I mean our big players turned up Armstrong Mackay Stephen and big nads and that that was uh, just incredible when he he took the, the, the last goal in you know just the sense of relief was, it's iconic that, that the, the image of him celebrating it before he <laughs> even took the shot it's iconic like it really is it's phenomenal for a United fan it's brilliant and just because it was in front of the stand as well yep. with all the United fans um, and just the feeling that you, you were going to the cup final and at that time you knew who was in the other semi mm-hmm. so you're thinking fucking hell we've got a real chance we've got a real chance yeah. oh, well not a real chance I think we I think we believed that we aye, we, we got ahead of ourselves perhaps maybe that's what was up we didn't turn up in the day but that day was one that will stick in my mind forever as, as yeah, Nads had the arms up in the air. Uh, do you remember, sort of towards the end of the game, there was two players walking off the park because they were both on a yellow card? Do you remember any of that happening? Because we've heard this. John Rankin was no, on a book, and so was Andy Robertson. And is were, that right? If, so- if either got booked, they would have been suspended. So uh, ah. Andy Robertson hit the deck saying his, his hammy had gone, got to and half, and then <laughs> and Dillo says to him, Are you all right? He's like, I'm fine. <laughs> oh really? I mean, that's See, sh- I didn't know shite that. House. Right. Uh, I didn't know that because I didn't I, know. I, mean, I, I, I got booked. I think I got booked, uh, and then I get taken off an hour mark. But I don't think that I was nothing to do with me being suspended. I think I was in case fucking uh, somebody ran by me again, and uh, <laughs> I got sent off. But I didn't know that about they two. Uh, so that's that was, quite interesting. That was uh, five minutes to go, and basically, if either of them had been booked, they would have been out the final, and. Uh, uh, he was rolling about the decks and his hammy was gone and come <laughs> half and I think John Rankin was because I think John Rankin then had to go and play left back because they brought Margaro on so I think ah, that's right, what happened okay. I give us raging up yeah. but um, what went wrong in the final? I don't know I mean like I say maybe we thought we were uh, it was a procession that we turned up and, and won with all the good players and a big open expansive pitch they knew how to play against us same way against us at McDermott Park mm-hmm. all season and we we just never find a way to break them down and if I'm honest I, I think we, we didn't really change our approach for the final yeah and no well that's that's it like so many sorry to cut you off Matt but so many people have said they think that they that they had our number that season but by the same token and, and you're saying that they played the same way all the time against us we played the same way all the time against them I, I don't know if it was like a, an arrogance or, or an ignorance or something that we just thought well they kind of keep beating with <laughs> but they yeah. bloody well did on the grandest stage of them all I, I think you're right I, and that, that's my opinion I don't know what else the guys think you've spoke to but nah they had a number played the same way 
Look, as a manager, you, you, I don't know, you have to make big decisions like that on the day. If you think, should we change? We've had this history of results. It's not going well. Or should I put trust in the players because they're that good? So it's a big call. And at that time, all the individuals that we've mentioned should have been good enough to beat St. John's and they should have been good enough to, to play in that big pitch and, and open St. John's up. But for whatever reason, I didn't work for us. Of course... In those games, the first goal is always crucial. And when we lost that first goal, you think, God, it's a big ass then because of the deflation and young players. And yeah. that occasion, that's hard yeah. to come back for. Maybe if you had a team of more experienced players, you kind of struggle off and realise, right, OK, get our head around that, let's go on with it. Mm. But that's a big disappointment. We didn't bounce back for it. So it was a, it was a real shame because what an occasion it was at, at Celtic Park with so many United fans and the display and a Everything like that. So, incredibly disappointing after the season we had. Yeah. Still can't believe Ryan Gold stayed on the bench for as long as he did. But anyway, that's what it was. Um, (laughs) Overall, how were your Dundee Derby experiences? Uh, I loved them. I I mean, like we chatted about earlier, um, made made my full competitive debut in that. So, that one always ranks high. Managed to score. The shit is free kick in the world. The, the world's worst free kick, was it? Aye, aye, thanks, <laughs> Paul, thanks. Um, it really was. <laughs> listen, I'd, I'd done my homework analysis was in at that time. I, I'd seen that that was his weak point in the back post, so skanked it in. Um, but on the whole, brilliant, loved the experience. Got sent off in one. I mean, the harshest, well, I wasn't there sent off. I headed the ball Unbelievable. Back. Unbelievable. So, watch, that, um, watch that back the day. Like, we finished that game with nine men. Aye, 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 it was mental. Uh, and that was the linesman that got you sent off. Aye, so the linesman. Because he thought, he thought that you punched the bar when you actually hit it. He did it back. Um, so that was. Uh, I don't think I did. Aye, uh, most of my experiences were great. And then even at the tail end of my career, where I was on the bench or in the squad in Jackie's team, where we had some great results with that team against Dundee. I, I love playing them. You can yeah. be playing in derby games. It's, they're fantastic. Well, see, for the, for the derby, win. oh, for as long as you win. And people that we spoke to have had, have had different opinion. Did you enjoy them more at Tannadice or Dens? Depending on the result, obviously. Uh, uh, no, uh, t- to be honest, definitely Tannadice. Mm. Definitely Tannadice. Um, and, not, and I get why people would say Dens as well, because it's that going away from home and yeah, a cold and that. But I, I don't know if it's because I played my first one at Tannadice. I just always sticks in my head that mm. I just loved being involved in them there. I, I thought the atmosphere was always way better. Yeah, yeah well, that's always, that's way better always. Anyway, bigger crowd. It just made for a better, better environment to play that game in, you know, rather than Dens. It's a, I don't. A couple of things to ask you. Uh, how much of an advantage is it shooting down the hill at Tannadice? Oh, 100% is. I, I still have this conversation on radio just now. And, and and when I see United on, I'll say, you know, they're shooting down the hill now. So, and people laugh and go, oh, that can't be the case. Oh, as you know, because you're getting sucked in it anyway. The, the fans behind the goals anyway, they, they just the momentum, it's much easier. Than, than uh, shooting uphill the, the slope is 
bad. Always, always direct people to look at the wall. Oh, uh, you know, and, the George and, Fox and band, yeah. And the, and the advertising boards when it goes in. That's how big the drop is. So it's, it makes a difference. And uh, mm-hmm. and it's, it's interesting to see if United still employ the tactic. But we were always we were always shut up how the first half and shoot down the second. Yeah, it's still the same. If they can win the toss, but we don't win. We don't win very much, especially when there's referees <laughs> involved. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this season's been a nightmare but anyway um, a lot of bird <laughs> asked me to ask you uh, why you thought Nadir Chiefshi would be the, become one of Celtic's great number sevens <laughs> well we can just thought when he <laughs> great number sevens is a bit an over exaggeration when he, when he went there I thought uh, I, I just thought he had the attributes way better international players on him that they would get more service and he would be he'd be good in the European stage and things like that. Flair. We bit arrogance that, you know, Celtic fans quite often like the front man to have. Um I mean I couldn't have been more wrong could have with that. They gave him the number seven shirt. Which in itself at Celtic or at any club when you've got an iconic number, it's a big weight. Um did not did not work at all. Um and it was a big ask. He, he just couldn't I just can't handle it. So a shame for him, but but now he's back in Scotland. I, I hope he does well. I hope he I hope he scores a few goals and so I can say, see, I told you, <laughs> told you he was going to come good. <laughs> Eight mad, years man. later, a <laughs> madman. Um, after you obviously f- finished playing, how did you find your two sort of management stints that you've had at sort of Airdrie and Brecon? Airdrie did both both very different, but ended. The, the kind of same way so Airdrie loved it went in we were a full time club we had a brilliant facility and uh, worked with some great people and and, and done my remit got us to take them to the playoffs um, promised certain things at the end of that for the, the following year then there was a changeover or rumour changeover at the club um, and things all got a wee bit murky my staff got caught everybody got caught Players got sold, uh, or got I got told I had to sell players, and I I decided I was walking away. I said, look, as a young manager, that time I was only thirty, God, what was that, 35, 34, 35 maybe at that time. So, um, I said, look, young manager, I think you're better with somebody more experienced. And we put it out like it was a mutual agreement, but anyway, it was my decision. I said, no for me. Um, we're breaking. Breaking was always a gamble for me to take on. It, you know, I think it was that desperation for me to get back in. I'd done bits for the, um, I'd done bits for the PFA coaching, bits here and there, and I was on the radio, and I just thought I wanted to go back in anyway. The hour job was up at that time, and I, 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 got, I interviewed for the hour job. But I spoke to Mike Mulroney, and I didn't get it. Peter Grant got it, and. A week later, Mike phones me and says, look, I've nothing at Awa for you. Peter's got the job. However, would you be interested in speaking to Breakin, who's a good pal? Ken Ferguson is a good pal. So I says, aye. I went along. Says no a good few times to join them. Just didn't think it was right anyway. And then we agreed. And I went there, you know, with the best intentions. I try to, you know, get a bit of energy into the club, maybe modernise it a wee bit. And we just found it difficult straight through the off to... to 
you know, get the players. It was it was a difficult old slog, if I'm honest. And then COVID came in, that saved us in the league, of course. Then the next season starts and I kind of cleaned the place out of all the older players that had been hanging about for years. And I got what I thought was a young, fresh squad in. One of them just made their debut for Aberdeen, Connor Barron, who, who, who came off at Aberdeen uh, at the weekend, mixed with other young guys. But again, behind the scenes, there's a wee bit of a takeover, uh, different thing behind the club. And ultimately, look, results weren't really good enough because we were still struggling at the start of that season. But I would have liked to have got more than three three league games, if I'm honest. And the club at that time, there was, as I say, behind the scenes changeover and they decided to, to let me go. So, but yeah, by a sore experience to end, end off because I knew how much work I was putting in and the struggles to contact players to get them there and everything that goes into it but I would love to get back in I'm, I'm hugely fortunate that I was so young to get two two management jobs early in my career at two clubs that quite different but the emphasis was on me to kind of do the work behind the scenes but I would like to get back in further down the line mm. Maybe not as a manager, but as a first team coach, learning off somebody above me, them having that responsibility and me just <laughs> in the background uh, taking the training things. Build, be good. Building the goals, getting the kit ready. Building the goals, hey, I'm an expert at that. <laughs> the boss. And the thing is, Breakin's a, Breakin's a great wee club as well because United always used great. to go there pre season and it was always a great right. wee day out at the hedge. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, uh, brilliant place and good people around about it. Yeah. Um, what are you up to these days then? Well, the, the guy we were speaking to, I worked for Andy's charity, um, Andy Robertson charity, AR26. So Andy set up a, a, a brilliant charity where it gives young people, you know, a, a real chance, a first chance in life. So kind of bridging the gap between, you know, poverty and and what we are lucky enough to have. So I, I'm the programme manager for his football delivery side. Of, and we've got five regions over Scotland at the minute and one's in Dundee. Um, stand at the change centre which used to be the old Lynch centre mm-hmm. and I don't know if you've been in that since uh, it's been done up but it's absolutely incredible beautiful AstroTurf pitch and you know beautiful space in there to work with so anyway we give our football sessions to these young kids for free and that's what Andy wants to give something back um, so I manage that and it's brilliant it really is it's, it's so rewarding um, and I'm in Dundee quite a bit you know, you know, we'll be in schools delivering, we'll be, you know, meeting stakeholders and, and ultimately on that Friday evening, but at the change centre delivering sessions. So if you're ever in the area and you just want to uh, pop in for a coffee and, and join in, we had Big Charlie along just before Christmas, seeing the kids and entertaining them, having a Q&A uh, and the kids are brilliant. So lots of United fans, lots of Dundee fans as well, which is it's always good to see the rivalries. Do I enjoy it? Yeah. Does, no, Andy have, does he have a hands-on role to this then, or does he kind of put others in charge of it and the men? No, I mean Andy's hands-on. So Andy's on the on the board meetings every single week. He's in the place that's in the board. Obviously, it's his charity, but he's uh, oh god, he's fully immersed in things. It's not just one of these charities that quite often footballers or celebrities will attach name name on it. and um, somebody will tell them a report every year. Andy's there every week. He 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 asks how each region's gone he's, he's wanting to know how we can get it better how we can deliver better and and look, the football side's only one bit of it there's hope for use that it gives you know young kind of disengaged pupils and young people a chance 
for employability. There's life changing experiences for young kids who have who've went through trauma in their life. Who they they, they give you know a day was at, uh, we took a young kid to um, Dundee United. Tony Ashgar and Tam Courts were were very generous in letting a young guy come along who wants to be a football coach seeing a behind the scenes at United at the training ground a life changing experience for that kid um, and they send kids to Hartland and that's so Dundee's um, on top of all that and it's brilliant um, and Dundee was one of the places he wanted to hit um, you know quite hard with it and invest in it because of course the report he had with the club and, and the good times he had there so it's all going well and uh, we're looking to you know just drive that up as much as we can in the city yeah, we'll be sure to share all the links and whatever else for it as well, because it is a fantastic thing that he's trying to do. Um, final one from us, Mark. How do you sum up your time at Dundee United? Loved every minute. I really did. Even even the second spell where I was at the team, I, I think I was incredibly fortunate to, to spend some some of the best years of my career. Um, formative years with, with real legends who signed me, took me on board, kind of shaped me, gave me the opportunity. Played in cup finals, which is quite unique in itself and in, 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 in two spells. But just just loved everything about the club and I still do. I still keep a keen interest in, in whatever happens at Dundee United. Quite lucky to have some contacts still there that I can bounce off of, particularly Charlie. And uh, I, again, I love going to the games if ever I'm there in media duty. I love popping into Tanadice and seeing it. I'll, I'll always hold a, a special place in my heart. I think any player, whenever they start their career, always holds a special place. So, hi, I miss it. If you're ever looking for a, a goal putter upper or a ball, a, a ball polisher, I'm your man at Tanadice. Trying <laughs> <laughs> a good word for me. <laughs> So thank you very much to Mark uh, I loved the chat with him There was some cracking stories in there too And the next time that you're out and about In Camperdown Park If you live in the Dundee area Just remember Scott McDonald Shan the bushies up there <laughs> yeah, He did indeed He did indeed um, Was this a keen on you Being a new carpet Was he for, uh, for Paul Hecker <laughs> Hey ho Judge away, I don't care. I know. I know. It was good fun. It was great to speak to him. Uh, and uh, thank you very much to Callum Bell for sort of helping sort that one out. Uh, but he was just great value, some good stories. Um, loves to build a goal, clearly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was good to speak to him. Oh, it was a few weeks ago now. So we've been sitting on that for a, for a little while. But it was uh, all good fun. Um, for speaking to Mark Wilson again. Appreciate him giving up some time to speak to us a few weeks ago. Right, on this day in association with the Arab Archive, preserving the history of Dundee United Football Club since 2006. 14th of February is our focus today. One game and two birthdays picked out this week we're off to 1987 versus Motherwell at Tanadice uh, the crowd swelled by those seeking the last voucher to secure a reduced price ticket for the tie with Barcelona they were treated if that's the right word to a United victory but precious little else only a fine individual goal by Ian Ferguson near the end put Tanadice fans in a happier frame of mind not that there was much chance of anything other than a United victory Billy Kirkwood fired in a cross which Kevin Gallagher directed past a startled John Gardner in the 12th minute to put us ahead unfortunately little of note happened to concern either goalie from then on and then Ian Ferguson controlled the ball 25 yards out before uh, swivelling towards goal th uh, left three defenders in his wake before hammering the ball past the keeper and pity so many United fans missed out as they left early uh, to secure a vital brief for the Barca game at finish United 2 Motherwell 0 uh, our first birthday boy 
He was signed in 1978 for Dundee for £25,000. He made 149 appearances in total for the club. He appeared regularly in the European matches during his time, including the wins over like Anderlecht, Monaco, the brilliantly named Winterslag, PSV Eindhoven as well. His last season for United was 82-83, played five times in the uh, Premier League Championship winning campaign. He then joined Wraith Rovers midway through season 83-84 and after three years there, moved to Arbroath before retiring from football. Ian Phillip is 71 today. Good player, my old man speaks about him. Mm, I can't remember him, but, but apparently a very good player. Mm. Our second celebration of the day was signed by Robbie Nielsen in 2020. Went on to make 27 appearances, scored one goal, which was an absolute screamer, wearing Mark Connolly's bits. Happy 32nd birthday today to Dylan Powers. Dylan Powers, the man with the reversible jacket in the year 2020. Tremendous. Oh, what a man. Like mind when we've got the stories of just being upside down, doing yoga and eating, uh, eating peppers as if it was yeah. an apple. Incredible. What a man. We're all different, Ron. We're all different. We, we, we very much are. We very, very much are. <laughs> right. It's uh, a few days off for the players this week after the uh, monumental campaign they've been under of eight games in 23 days or whatever it is. Before we face the Rangers on Sunday at high noon, let us know how we'll get on. Plus tell us if you'd rather have more time or more money. As a wee teaser for you. We're at Dode Fox Podcast on social media. Grab some merch at dodefoxpodcast.com. Have a great week. Stay safe and don't forget to wash your hands and your arsehole. <laughs>